Hello and welcome to episode 74 of the Random Child Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Jose. And we have our on and off again third chair, Elvis, with us as well. Hi. Hey. Yo. So anyway, <laughs> so, this episode, <laughs> so this episode of the Random Child Podcast is called Living That Tomodachi Life, as we're going to be talking about basically things that are weird. Tomodachi Life is weird, so we'll be sharing impressions of that later in the show. We also have impressions of Scram Kitty and his, and his buddy on Rails for Wii U. I tripped over that title, which is equally... Yeah, I mean, might be a little bruised, but that title's also, the title itself is weird, but so is the game concept of a cat that's on rails trying to save his fellow stolen cats by... What, Actually, there's a like game that, of cat skateboarding on eShop. Okay, well, that's weird, too. So, the but we're not going on rails, just so you know. No, it's a kid on rails. The buddy, it, the buddy is on rails. You're saving cats. Oh, uh, hi, you're right. Yeah. Wow. Sweet. Okay. <laughs> um, the more you know. The more I know. This is why you're giving the impressions, not me. But anyway, all that's coming up later in the show. Uh, before that, of course, we have news, though. Uh, basically, every year we have like what I like to call the E3 scraps, which are like all the news that came out after the expo because, you know, it takes time to write interviews up and transcribe them and whatnot. So it's going to be all that news, plus some third-party news, plus some industry news, plus Jason Sales Corner. So there's a lot to get through. Um, as always, roundtown.com, we have timestamps for every little story. So if you want to hear something in particular, such as the correct premise, premise of Scram Kitty, you can jump to that or Tomodachi Life or whatever. But if you're listening for the whole ride, I guess we should probably get started with those E3 scraps. Yeah? yeah sure. Cool. All right. So, so um, actually, I lied. We are getting started with the E3 scraps, but there was a little bit of news that ties into those scraps that came out after E3, and that's relating to Hyrule Warriors. So we have some info from interviews, and we also have some info on some new playable characters, because one of the things Nintendo and Tecmo Koei are making a big deal of is that there's going to be so many playable characters in Hyrule Warriors. So many women, so many men. It's going to be 50-50. So far, it's been mostly women. Yeah, actually, it has. Same with but, I mean, it doesn't mean it won't be 50-50, just how yeah. they chose to reveal it. Yeah. And weird selection so far. Yeah. And by like, weird, I mean we... just one character that I find really weird. Yeah, well, yeah. There, well, there's one character, and there's two that should be familiar to Twilight Princess fans, one of which came out of nowhere, Definitely. essentially. Yeah. yeah. So we'll start with the big one that everyone should probably recognize, and that's Xant of Twilight Princess. Will be playable. Um, his, he's covered in armor, much like in Twilight Princess, sort of. So, uh, well, he was in a garb, I guess. But So he's going to have high defense, and he also can dual-wield. So if you want to do dual wielding, it looks like Xant's your go-to guy for that in Hyrule Warriors. The other familiar face... So this is assuming you're fighting, like, when you're playing as the bad guys, or... I don't think... See, that's the thing. This game doesn't follow... Is there, like, a story mode? I don't know. This game doesn't seem to follow canon whatsoever, so I think it's literally... And that's canon, not canon. Well, I mean, just because it doesn't follow canon doesn't mean it can have a coherent story. I mean, they've already established that there is a story in this Uh game. But no, I think I think you're I think there will be a story, but in terms of like the multiple characters you pick for co op, it's gonna be probably whoever you want. They're probably there's probably a single player story and then like a co op thing and in co op it's like, Oh yeah, you can be Xant if you want. Whatever. I guess it would help if we knew how other Dynasty Warrior games worked. Yeah. I mean I'll put it this way, Princess Zelda the premise of the game is that Princess Zelda gets kidnapped by a witch. Yet Princess Zelda is also a playable character. So somewhere in there the story doesn't matter. Hmm. Is the co op, I guess. Zelda? Wait, wait, sorry, what was that? No, I guess she's only co-op, I Oh, guess. yeah, yeah, and who knows, maybe Zant's the same way. They haven't said where these characters That's are playable, true. just that they're in the game. There's still a chance that maybe the only character you control is Link throughout the single player. Possibly, campaign. yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, he is the main guy. I would assume Link and, um, 
Impa. 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 And maybe, hey, long. maybe this other Twilight Princess character, uh, Agatha. You know, the, 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 the bug princess and Twilight princess. She was a princess? Uh, technically she was, apparently. Oh, I just remember the one that you gave bugs to. Yeah, apparently she's a princess of the bugs, according to the descriptions they put out for Hyper Warriors. Why not? <laughs> so, yeah, that one came out of left field. They're really reaching here, like, of all people. But she, uh, and naturally those bugs are her weapon. She can summon them instead of magic, and they'll swarm in and do their thing. Ah, so, uh, what? There's a swarm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that wasn't a pun. That was literally a description of how they would in- enter yeah. the game. But, and also, if you don't have bugs, no problem. She has a parasol. Because why not? Again. Yeah. <laughs> it's so random. Uh, there is also a newcomer who makes, who comes out and, like, there's no real reason for her, but Lana, who's a witch that casts barrier spells. So you can put up defensive shields. People can attack them. And if they break through, she gets stunned. Kind of like Smash Bros. when you break through shield. Otherwise... Is she obligated to create a new character, or they well, just apparently her? she's uh, apparently she's the first of many new characters. So, I mean, you do need to support people. Yeah, but they could be other Zelda franchise folk in theory. They could, but they don't have to. I guess that's it. Clearly, yeah. they're not. Yeah, <laughs> no. that's so random. I wonder if they're gonna pull any like random people from Skyward Sword, like the the, vampi- the vampire guy that you help. I want the yeah. I want the to make, you have to turn him human. That, that could work. I wonder if they're gonna put Big Forehead guy from Twilight Princess, the one everyone's like, he looks kind of like Reggie. They should put him in there. I don't even think he has a name. He's a guy with a big forehead. He must be like in the first ten minutes of the game because you know. No, it's like in the first couple hours. I mean, I got <laughs> to like two, the two hour mark maybe. <laughs> I don't remember him because I have I'll the find whole memory the... of the whole game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, so it's easy to get buried while with me. I'm like, oh, it's Reggie, and that's it. Then game over. For I would me. like to see your him in it. Just that'd be. Just, I wouldn't be surprised. Cool. That'd be cool. Yeah, it seems like, because the thing is, it seems like for, um, for, for Hyrule Wars, they're really just kind of throwing it all together. I mean, not only do you have these characters in different games of different, you know, fame levels, but they're also, like, the hook shots in there, and then there's an attack that literally pulls down the Majora's Mask Moon and hits the battlefield with it. That's pretty cool. So, like, they're just reaching for whatever. They're just going crazy with it, which, which I guess makes sense. I mean, it definitely sounds like, the way they're describing and the way they're announcing things, Nintendo Technicolor really are basically doing Zelda fan service, the game. Like, there's not... This isn't, like, a game in the Zelda canon that makes sense. It's just, like, let's cram everything in there, every Zelda reference we can think of. I bet you Tingle's somewhere, and Tingle should be playable. Oh, man. Tingle that would not be should be playable. Here, That'd be so <laughs> great. What are you talking about? That'd be amazing. And he has to be really short and float around on balloons. <laughs> and say his Impa, Impa, Kulu, whatever. Uh, go play for a job. What? You go play for a job. And work on it. And make Tingle. <laughs> That'll be my job, is just putting Tingle in the game. But, uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely on purpose, obviously, that they're doing this. And they were, um, the de- well, developers... on purpose. Well, no, but I mean, like, it's not just like, they're like, oh, let's just put some Zelda stuff in. Like, they're making this game not... They're purposely going, this is a fan service game. Like, they're going into it saying, we're going crazy, we're gonna put everything in there we can think of. Because they're saying to, I believe it was Kotaku, the lead producer of the game, a guy named uh, Yosuke Hayashi... He was basically saying that uh, the game's literally, he's calling it a celebration title. Like, they're not going for the puzzle elements. They're not going for the exploration gameplay. They're taking everything else that's Zelda, making it action-packed, and just throwing it out there. It's like a ref- like a celebration of the series. And, and as he said to Game Informer in some other interviews, like, yeah, it's the celebration of Zelda, the work of Zelda, the entire universe of Zelda, the world of Zelda. It's just Zelda. <laughs> like, everything they could do that's Zelda, they're putting in here. And apparently, a new one was saying in some King other... King of Red Lions will be a playable character. What? The King of Red Lions. Oh, if only. <laughs> he just, like, bounces he'll have around. Like, he'll have, like, a body of water that just takes around them a little. That would be cool. See, I mean, <laughs> if they're making it, like, a celebratory title, they might as well just go crazy with it. Like, who cares about realism? They're already bringing down the moon on command as often as you want. Like, just, yeah, just throw a boat in. in. <laughs> yeah. Just throw a boat in. What difference does it make? 
or like make Navi somehow playable. Oh man! Just a little white ball going around and destroying things. That'd be cool for. <laughs> it's Cole. the most powerful character. <laughs> yeah, that'd be kind of cool if they did that. Like you know how Mario Galaxy had uh, one player's playing the real game and the other one's just like the um, the Luma using the second um, Wii part two. Yeah, just doing like a little like helper roll. Wherever that... you click, like giant explosion. Yeah, that'd be cool <laughs> if Navi was like kind of an exploding fairy. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's not just like. Apparently, the amount of like fan service they're doing is actually surprising the Zelda team themselves. Because Eiji Numa was <laughs> saying, making, Whoa. "No, seriously, Eiji Numa was saying." I'm blowing my own mind. Seriously, though, because Eiji Numa was saying in some other interview, I don't remember where, but he said something along the lines of like, "Yeah, like that when they were showing it to our internal Zelda team, a bunch of us were like, you can do that. You're doing that. Like, there's all sorts of stuff they never even thought. Probably like Bug Princess Girl, who they're just kind of cramming in there. So I think it's cool mm. they're going all out. The one thing they're not doing though is there won't be voice acting. They're staying true to normal Zelda in that regard." I guess it wouldn't be a total Zelda fan service game if they... Yeah, if they voice acting. acting. Yeah, as the new most painted, I think it was Kotaku, he just said that all they're going to do is the ah sound, <laughs> and that's it. I, I mean, in the internet, it seemed like that was received pretty badly, but I feel like that was... Hyrule Warriors? No, no, no voice acting thing? Oh, yeah, the internet seems yeah. to... Well, parts they, of the internet. Like, there's always like groups of people better. that are always like, disappointed. Like, I remember there were a lot of people disappointed with Skyward Sword for not having voice acting yeah. and whatnot. But I, I don't mind it. I mean, sure, it's not like... You know, it's a different level of production value, it feels like, because there's no voice acting, but I don't think it's that bad of a thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, Link's supposed to be you. Like, someone, I can't remember which interview, but or someone Or even was... just reading other people's, like, when other people are talking, like, it's, I mean, you're reading it in your head, so you're putting the inflection however you think it would right, be. Right, right. But yeah, no, I was going to say that, uh, I don't remember which interview Anuma was saying in. He did, like, 20 interviews, seriously. We summarized some of them throughout this, but there are a bunch that I didn't even include. But he was saying in one interview about... Um, Oh, it might have been the Kotaku one, actually, where they were asking, like, what about female leads? Why no female leads? And he's like, I don't think the gender matters. The person's just supposed to represent the player. Like, it's a mm-hmm. vessel for the player. Like, who cares if he's physically male or physically female? It's, the you know, it's the player. Female, he's a it doesn't matter. What? I said the one I just make it female, but it doesn't matter. Well, yeah, because then Kotaku's response was something along the lines of, okay, but maybe girls want to be girls. He's like, well, we'll see what works with high rewarders, because we have both, and they're a pretty even split of gender. And then from there, depending on what they do, we can always change yeah. it. So, but his, he believes, and I kind of agree that as long as you're, like, playing the game, you can be whatever gender. Like, we don't want another Super Princess Peach situation where Nintendo makes a game aimed at girls, and then Peach's special abilities are her emotions are out of control. Like, that's the most sexist game. So, yeah, yeah, so I'm fine with that. That was a bad idea. Yeah. Really fun game, though. Yeah, but just, like, get her angry, and then she (laughs) fires up and gets super, like, vicious. Like, yeah, that's smart, Nintendo. I mean, granted, we're guys, so it's hard to say what girl gamer of any age would actually necessarily want, but I kind of side with Anuma on that. Uh, But, yeah, I think, I don't know, though, because, like, what do you guys think, like, is this actually going to be a good game? (laughs) Like, even with all the fans, I'm perfectly fine playing it just for this fan service. It sounds like it's a lot, but, like, is it really, at the end of the day, it still is just Dynasty Warriors, so it's going to probably be repetitive. Maybe. I mean, I've never played a Dynasty Warriors game, but I'm pretty sure the fact that it's Zelda will make me play it for and beat it. Right, primarily just to see what Zelda stuff they do, right? Because it's more yeah. Dynasty Warriors than it is Zelda. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just looks fun in general. I mean, God of War is pretty repetitive, but it's a really That's fun true. game. I guess the thing with Dynasty Warriors, at least its reputation, that probably is not entirely accurate. It's like, oh, you're in a big field and you just hit A like 17 times in a row and you just keep doing the same attack and wiping out the Yeah, field. but the thing is, like, it, just lo- it looks cool. Yeah, but like every, everyone I know that likes it, like, really, really likes it. So, okay, I mean... Yeah. I don't know, so there's obviously something like good with it. 
Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm playing... I'm To be honest, I'm going to strictly play it because I'm curious about all this other fan service. Like, it sounds like they're... Like, I want to see the most obscure stuff in there, and if they're doing Bug Princess, they're doing everything. <laughs> so obscure so, that you're like, ah, oh, what is this? Yeah, I'll be like, what is this? <laughs> I never got past the second dungeon. I don't recognize this, or whatever. But, uh... But yeah, it, it should be... I guess even just as fan service, it should be good, and then you have, presumably, some sort of solid action game on top of it. But we'll find out. It comes out in September. But of course, um, we can't really talk about Hyrule Warriors and E3 and interviews from E3 without mentioning that other Zelda game for in 2015, the real Zelda for Wii U. And uh, Numa only really gave like cryptic comments in interviews, but they still kind of cast an interesting light on how the game will turn out. Like for example, um, he was saying that you know he said this in the digital event. One of the like main things of this new Zelda is its open world is totally non-linear. It's it's not like other Zeldas where they kind of hold your hand through which dungeons you have to go through. And we got a taste of that with A Link Between Worlds, obviously. Where really. you did have, the what? whole dungeon thing was pretty dumb. Well, yeah, but we got a taste of it in the sense you go any dungeon you want. Sort of, but you still need specific weapons. And and I remember they were like saying that, uh, like, oh, you, the dungeons are not going to be weapon-specific. And then but they, they were. totally were. Yeah, no, and that's the, thing, that's the thing Kotaku brought up. Is they're like, hey, Anuma, uh, you know... A Link Between Worlds, you said it was open world. It kind of is. I mean, yes, you still need a specific item for a specific dungeon, but you get picked, do you go dungeon A, B, or C? Mm-hmm. Instead of just, you're forced to go A, B, C. So that's what's different. But And they've raised the point of, in a way, a lot of people found it simpler, because it's like, you go into a dungeon, and in normal Zelda games, it's like you need five, six items, and you use them in a weird combination, like the iron boots over here, and then the hookshot over there, just to get to the next room. But in A Link Between Worlds, is you're kind of alluding to, it's like one item, done. Which makes puzzles a little simpler, because it's like, oh, clearly I do something with this item, what, what is it? Yeah, because I mean, like, yeah, they can't design dungeons, like, for, I mean, they can't assume you're going to have, like, these other items with right. you, so they kind of, they have to limit it to just those items usually. Right, yeah, and that's why it is like that, but Kotaku's like, uh, so it was a lot simpler, you know that, right? Yeah. And his response, I'm just going to read it, his response was, I haven't actually thought that, because there was only one item per dungeon, if that puzzle solving was made simpler because of that. How did he not notice that? <laughs> <laughs> he went on to say... That, you know, that it's like that. In contrast, like, multiple iron puzzle solving was more complicated. So I guess I'll keep that in mind. Like, he never thought, <sighs> oh, one dungeon, or one iron per dungeon, easy. Multiple iron per dungeon, hard. Like, he, he never made he, that. I mean, didn't he work on Wind Waker? Yeah, he's been working on I mean, Zelda that, I mean, since Ocarina of Time. I mean, he's been, I mean, like, I don't know. Like, I think if they reach the, um, I guess, the complexity of the, what's it called? The Wind Temple and the Dark, the Light Temple in yeah. Wind Waker. Like, those are really cool. Just because like, they pretty much used every single item like that you use, and you have to, like, combine them in weird ways. Right. Yeah, and I don't understand how he didn't realize, unless he's, like, masking. Even though they were kind of short, but still. Yeah. But he, unless he was kind of, like, masking. Yeah, they probably forced him to make a easy game no, no, for no, the no. masses. No, 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 he's totally in control of this. Like, it's his I choice. guess he wanted an easy game for the masses. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, he's been saying for a long time that they've been I wanting want to shake up I want old Billy to double. be able to beat this game. Yeah, I mean, I mean I'll be honest. I beat a link between worlds. It's the only Zelda game I've actually beaten, and I really enjoyed it. But I knew as I was playing, you voted for the wrong game. Yeah, all the people that were on Nintendo for the contest and were like, "Hey, uh, Mario 3D World or Zelda? Which should I beat?" They all said Zelda, thinking it'd be harder. Mm-hmm. Silly them. Well, also we also thought it'd be longer. So yeah, but what I was gonna say, we is, knew Mario would be the harder, longer one. Yeah, what well, backwards <laughs> world we live in. But uh, what I was gonna say is that, like, even I when I was playing it, it was like, okay, this is a little easier than usual. I loved it. I think it's a great game, but it's definitely. Easy. It looked really cool. Yeah, it did. It did, especially the 3D effect. But uh, so I don't know. For was, Zelda, was, even 100%ing it, it was it was way too fast to do it. Yeah, yeah. You which could is do it, you could do it really fast. 
Yeah, which is why Kotaku's like, what's up, Anuma? You're not going to mm-hmm. do the same thing with Wii U, right? Because you said open world, that makes us think, same thing. So it sounds like... what they think open world is. Yeah, yeah, but it sounds like... Um, I mean, Skyrim's open world, but that game isn't easy. Right, right. So I think Kotaku just wanted to clear the... Make sure, because a lot of people are like, uh, uh, I don't mm-hmm. know, when he said that, so... Has Anuma acknowledged Skyrim's existence? Because people... They've ta- like, he's mentioned it Yeah, because they yeah. definitely keep comparing it to that, because I guess I'm, that would be the closest thing to... I guess Zelda's world. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it, it it's cool. gonna be Mark Skyrim. If it's open world, but it's like <clears throat> they make it where they kind of have boundaries in a way where like, you could go to the mountain, but all the enemies are gonna be super leveled up, and you basically can't go there. Yeah, unless you like play the rest of the game. And that's kind of what they're doing. He was saying in some other interview again. I can't remember all these interviews, but he was saying in some other one that like part of the puzzle now is you go somewhere, you realize you can't get to it for whatever reason. So then you go back. By the way, if you hear screaming, That's it's fireworks. not children dying, it's fireworks. Someone's testing for the fourth, which is coming up at the end of this week. Hmm. Celebration. Celebrations. For our That's a lot of... All right, they're done. That really wasn't a person dying, I promise you. We are not murderers. But anyway, um, yeah, no, it's just like he was saying, that, like, yeah, the puzzle's now going to be, you go somewhere and then you hit an obstacle and you go, how do I overcome the obstacle? Oh, I have to now go somewhere else and then do something else only so I can then come back or take a alternate route up and around or something so yeah it's basically what you're saying that like it's gonna be you bump into something and then you have to figure out how to overcome it so that already is different from Link Between Worlds where yeah you bumped into like oh how do I get to this thing without the shadow realm or whatever but then you just go another route the item system to Link Between Worlds it's like oh you can pick and choose your items but like I just took all of them Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's what I do too I bought them all in one swoop yeah it's like Oh, come on. <laughs> so yeah, he uh, he he's aware of it at least. Kotaku made him aware, and it sounds like they're going a different route with this open world Zelda. So anyone who is concerned, hopefully it turns out for the best. <laughs> but but you know, dungeon linear dungeon dungeon linearity. There we go. Is uh, only like one of the things that Anuma has been saying for a while. He wants to change with Zelda. I don't, I don't know if you guys remember, but for years now he's like, oh, I want to shake up Zelda. I want to do things different with Zelda. The other one, yeah, Skyward Sword, and yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. Skyward Sword is the first with the controls, and then it was. Um, a link between worlds. Also with the world, world, I mean, you kind of like revisited oh, the same right. place twice, yeah. but it was like condensed. But then, like everything kind of changed the second time. Yeah, oh. yeah, it was, yeah, that's true. It's very different structure, and there's no real true open world. I mean, there's the sky with the islands that were yeah. kind of like Wind Waker, but not exactly. No, it was more like Wind Waker, but maybe smaller. Because there was yeah, like, no, it was smaller. It was there smaller. wasn't as much to do in the sky as there was in the ocean. Right, yeah. But the the other thing he was saying, because, like, that, he didn't even reference, like, when he was outlining his plans to change Zelda, that wasn't even one of the things he referenced. It was, like, you know, the overworld idea. It was just dungeon linearity and single-player experience. Like, can it be not just a straight-up single-player experience? So at uh, E3, again, Kotaku, who seemed to be asking him everything, uh, or, sorry, no, this one was Game Informer. Game Informer asked him, he, I told you he's doing a bunch of interviews, Game Informer asked him, so, okay, you, you specifically said that you know, Zelda, you want to do something that's not strictly single-player. Hyrule Warriors is super multiplayer. Everything's co-op. So, is that it? Is that what you meant? Is, is it just a spin-off? And his response was, uh, essentially, he said, that's something you will see in the future, maybe next year. Translation, Zelda Wii is going to do some sort of multiplayer that's not just Hyrule Warriors. So I'm curious to see what it is. I mean, perhaps... MMO. No, I mean, because <laughs> we had in Wind Waker HD, we had the me-verse in a bottle thing. <laughs> Where you can send the messages oh, in the little yeah. bottles. So I'm wondering if he's going to, like, flush that out. I'd be okay if Nintendo did something kind of like Dark Souls or Shovel Knight, where you can leave notes for players in specific areas to warn them and give them tips, opposed to just the or random... Or trick them. Well, right. Dark Souls, you actually enter the world and you could kill them. 
Oh, you can. Okay, imagine if you could do that. <laughs> oh, that's true. You can. Yeah, but but Shovel Knight does it too with the player diary or whatever it's called in the Wii U version that just came out. But um, yeah, imagine if they did something like that for Zelda. That could be cool if they kind of borrowed from Dark Souls and Shovel Knight a little. Or like if they went a little, one step further and it was like the open world is really yeah. open. Like as long as it's not completely multiplayer. No, I mean the way he's saying it, he's not like going yes, yeah, so be multiplayer. He's just saying he wants to make it so it's not truly single player, which is like. A very I mean, if it's like a bottle thing, that would be cool, I guess. Yeah. Cool as in that it's not Another Another possible thing they could do now that I think about it, kind of, you mentioned that Dark Souls things are going to go to their world. Imagine if, like, in the open world, they kind of, like, do MMO light in a way, where, like, stuff that happens in the world is affected, but other players can affect it, but it doesn't actually, they're not actually in your game. Like, it's asynchronous or something. Like, uh, I don't know, like, Watch Dogs, there we go. You know in Watch Dogs how, uh, like, on the console game, you're in Chicago or whatever, but the smartphone version of the game, you can hack people's game like you basically hack the city of other players so like you're manipulating things like traffic lights and water and other things like nothing that will make or break their experience but will kind of mess with them i mean whenever i was playing Watch Dogs, whenever um on the ps4 whenever someone would uh, uh it's like it never affected the single player but like a little pop-up came out and right. like oh do you uh, challenge like another hacker Oh, yeah, yeah. You want to accept it, so, like, technically you never have to play another Right, game. but I'm saying, like, Zelda could do something like that. And, you, yeah. you know, you let in, but that, you let them in, but then if something like that happens, you know, you go to one part of the open world well, rule, and something's different. No, it wouldn't be forced. It's really cool what um, Resident Evil 6 did. Like, my brother and I, we would play this mode where you play as the enemies in another person single-player campaign. See, that could be super so, cool, too. So, it's like a separate mode. You have to, like, activate it. Like, sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, and they, they, they have to allow it, so they're right. like, oh, you're allowing for agents, and I don't know if it's cool, like, we, we control the zombies, and... Like, clearly, like, some were, like, smarter than others. Yeah. Like, they're fighting. Like, I got to kill them a few times. So pretty good. I think anything like that could... Control be... Kuko. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great if you could control... Make them fight back. But, <laughs> yeah, I think anything like that... Of course, it'd be opt-in, except for me versus integration. That they can just do... Or just follow them by default. from afar and never, like, get too close. Just and just, make cre- them, just yeah. creep on them yeah, from make, afar. Yeah, just make sure they know that you're following them. But, yeah, like, that'd be super <laughs> cool, wouldn't it? If they did that for Zelda. I mean, they're already hyping up this open world. Imagine if this open world's really open in the sense that other people could jump in with permission. Or you don't even have to necessarily grant explicit permission. Permission, maybe you just turn on an option like yes, let yeah. let like open Hyrule rain or something like that, and then other people can kind of jump in and out. I think that'd be super cool. Or they can even do something like you mentioned Resident Evil, where they did revelations on the Wii U, and they had the comments from Miiverse above the zombies. Oh, that's right. Like if they let you control, I don't know, a, a, uh, give me a random Resident Evil zombie, or not Resident Evil, sorry, Zelda enemy, like a sap. The Moblin. Sure, there's a Moblin. And they can, like, actually taunt you with the Moblin as they're controlling it, as they're coming at you. Like, they, they could be fun. They could have some fun with it. So I'm really hoping that's kind of what Numa means with his, you'll see next year. Because, like, the full quote is, uh, when I was talking back about making Zelda more than just a single-player experience, that's something you'll see in the future, maybe next year. So he's definitely going, yeah, it's more than just a strict single-player experience. I know I said the second half of the quote, but with the full quote, it kind of gives it a little more, like, oomph, so to speak. So I'm 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 excited. That's actually I think what I'm most excited about about the new Zelda is what sort of crazy multiplayer they can do. Because Zelda is a solo experience, except four swords. But um, they could still have fun with how they do that solo experience. You think they'll go, they'll go full on uh, like RPG status where you like get you have to collect minerals and then make your weapon. They're or... leaning that way. Yeah, I mean, Skyward they, Sword did yeah, that can they a little. When, like, when you upgrade your weapons, you have to collect like the little bugs or blah blah to upgrade your bug net to make it bigger. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, I could yeah. see them was, like, stretching that out. Like a little baby more. steps. Yeah, I think they'll definitely expand that because that fits with the whole open world. Oh yeah, thing. and you have to collect stuff to make potions, or I guess to make better potions. But you could just buy the regular potions if you're too lazy yeah. to do it. 
I think if they do that, it's going to be optional. Kind of like in Skyward Sword. We're right. You can buy a potion or you can make a better I feel like they're going to be flower picking to find like, that big field. That field looks so nice. Those individual blades of grass. So good. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, the, the other interesting thing is how big Hyrule will be. Because, like, we know it's open world. We know it can have multiplayer. But what's that mean in terms of its actual size? Of course, Anuma's not actually saying, but some Australian said... Invisible site, walls everywhere. No. He said, I mean, he said anything in sight you can get to. He said that in the direct. There's a mountain back there. You can get to that mountain. Anything you can see, you can get to. So that means there has to be a point where there'll be, like, a mountain so tall that you can't see past it. Otherwise, you will... No, it'll just be it. the horizon will just... You know, the earth, the world will just curve away onto the horizon. That's the end. You get there, and it's just, like, a canyon. Oh, yeah. What but you're but everything you see, you can get to. Right, right, right. Like, so, yeah, there'd have to be a canyon yeah. wall or something. But, I mean, that's true for any game. But... Like Grand Theft Auto Five, you hit an end, and then just expand forever. But I think whatever Hyrule is, is probably yeah, gonna be right. smaller than GTA. They say, what? You have to be careful with his wording, then. Well, yeah, I guess. But what he <laughs> did tell this Australian site called MMNG, they're the ones that first de- uh, debunked the Link's a girl thing. They got him to confirm that wasn't the case. But um, he told them that he always thinks of Kyoto as his base when referring to the size of Hyrule. Now Kyoto, which is Nintendo's headquarter city. Not the biggest city in Japan, but certainly not the smallest city. It's a pretty diverse city. It has, like, a downtown area and whatnot, but it also has a lot of, like, shrines and, like, more old-fashioned stuff and a lot of nature stuff, like, natural parks and stuff around it. So, like, I think what he's kind of alluding to, granted, it's the most cryptic thing you could possibly say, but I think what he's kind of alluding to, maybe, is don't expect a Grand Theft Auto V size, like, Los Angeles-sized city. Expect something a little, like, something more like Kyoto, which is probably, like, smaller than Grand Theft Auto Grand Theft Auto V is pretty big. You have all of L.A., plus you have, like, the desert, plus you have, like, the valley, plus you have, like, the uh, like Griffith Park in the, in the forest area. Is it pretty big? I guess. I guess. I guess. But uh, it's going to be smarter than that, so we still don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, good, 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 good uh, spin there. Uh, yeah, so I'm just, I'm just saying, like, I think if he's saying it's like Kyoto, that means don't expect, because all the, like, GTAs, or Watch Dogs even, those are major metropolis-based Places, you know, Chicago, New York, L.A., Kyoto's definitely smaller than those. So I think that's kind of what he was probably implying, without actually saying it. But again, we won't really know until next year. I just thought that was interesting. Um, I mean, I guess it depends on the, whatever transportation you have as well. Yeah, Because if you have fast transportation, it'll make, I guess it'll make the open world seem smaller. Mm-hmm. But if your horse doesn't run that fast, I guess, it'll give the illusion that it's pretty big. Yeah, like, yeah. how was that with Red Dead Redemption? Like, did it ever feel, like, really small or pretty big? It felt small after playing it for a while. I sh- I'm sure Hyrule will be exactly the same. Once you can, once you oh, know yeah. all the ins and outs, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean even it's, it, game, it's a video game yeah. after all. Yeah, even yeah. in a Link Between Worlds, like when I first started playing it, I was like, oh wow, there's actually a lot to this world. By the end, I was like, oh yeah, it takes two minutes to get anywhere at most. Mm-hmm. So. And then the fast travel as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually why it felt as small as it did. Once you could warp at will. But I guess the one last thing about Zelda we should mention, because we can't talk about Zelda at E3 without pointing out all the fans that freak out about Majora's Mask still. Um, so Kotaku did ask Eiji Inuma what's going on with the remake, and Eiji Inuma... So many disappointed people when they thought um, the secret 3DS game was Majora's Mask remake. Oh, yeah. Well, there's no way they do a 90-minute roundtable about Majora's Mask <laughs> remake. I mean, whoever thought that, like, whoever legitimately thought that, I'm sorry, they're delusional. There is no way Nintendo goes, That's just hey, how much here's they Majora's it, Mask, we're going to tell you 90 minutes about it, even though you've played it 10 years ago. Or, yeah, no, 13 years ago now. Came out in 2001, well, I think. I guess unless they included a, another game in it, like a Majora's Mask Master Quest or something. I'm sure that's what they're doing when they do it. Because here's what he said. He told Kotaku that, he being Anuma, told Kotaku that he knows there's, quote, a very, very strong 
interest in the game. So he admits that. And he pointed out also that he's kind of teasing fans a little. Like when he put the Majora's Mask in A Link Between Worlds, as he put it, he was, quote, toying with fans. <laughs> so he, but he's doing it not meanly. He's saying he's doing it to acknowledge the fact that he hears them and he knows they want it. And then he just can't do anything about it yet. So he's like, well, here, I'm showing, I, you know, I'm showing that I know you guys are fans of Majora by sticking the mask in the game. But it comes off kind of more as trolling than anything else. He must be taking notes from Sakurai or something. <laughs> but uh, the good news is, we may actually be hearing something sooner rather than later. Uh, the developer of the Ocarina of Time 3D port for 3DS, a company named Grizo or Grezzo, is hiring. Which isn't that big of a deal in, in itself, but here's the question they ask in the job listing. Would you like to make a legend with us? Legend, oh, the L in legend is capitalized. Like a name. Like Legend of Zelda. So either they're trolling fans even more than Anuma does, or we're getting it. And it probably will have a master quest if they have to actually hire new people. Pretty sure we're going to get it. There's yeah. already been talk about it and stuff. Yeah, I mean, if Anuma's so consciously saying, like, yes, we know there's a very, very strong uh, want for it, opposed to just saying, yeah, we know there's a want, like, emphasizing mm-hmm. very, very strong implies Nintendo knows. I'm guessing they're going to wait till next year because they probably don't have a lot for 3DS beyond Project Steam at the moment. Or not Project Steam, Codename Steam. So probably we'll probably hear something next year. Maybe around the time they show Wii's, although they'll announce it. Hmm. But either way, it's finally happening, maybe. Or it's close enough to be happening that you can get the It's Happening gifts ready and have them mm-hmm. good to go and next year when they announce it. But I uh, can never be too prepared. What? I think I can never be too prepared. Mm. <laughs> I'm just picturing you with like 20 different It's Happening gifts just sitting on your computer like, I'm prepared, never too prepared. Well, like an emergency kit of I'm, gifts. I'm, I'm a little indifferent if they make a Majora's Mask or not. I really want it because like I've it. actually never played the N64 one. Um, in full. I rented it a few times and my friend had it and I watched him play it. But I never played it and I never bought it and I feel like a fool. I think the fact <laughs> that a, a friend let me borrow it for over like three years and I what? basically I never played it. Like, I never liked Time Limit Games. Well, this one's a little different in the sense that, like, you keep jumping back. There's a time limit, but you keep travel time warping so much that it doesn't really. It's there, but it's not there. Yeah. Like, but you can only I mean, get so much in that one day, though. Right. Yeah, that's that true. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if they remake it, I'll definitely play it. But sure. Like, I don't think it didn't help that I just <laughs> my friend's file already had it beaten, so I just played the final boss, and then I was just like, Why oh. would you do? Because it was there and like tempting. It was like a shiny piece of candy. I, hey, you know what's not tempting when. For me, final bosses. So, for example, I come over here one day. <laughs> you two are playing Twilight Princess or Sky- Skyward Sword. Come over, walk in. Looks like there's a final boss of Skyward Sword on screen. I go, is that the final boss? I don't want to see that. You guys tell me no. Two minutes later, the credits are rolling. And I'm like, oh, it is the final boss. <laughs> <laughs> Never going to let you live that down. You did that again. You almost did that again with Mario 3D World, too. We tried. Yeah, but I, I've been spoiled already because someone like posted a Twitter like a tweet oh, with yeah, a picture yeah, I of it. That. Yeah, yeah, I like, texted wow, you like, "What?" I now I know. I mean, I knew, but I didn't see it. Now I've seen it. But anyway, told... that's the only way you would have ever seen it. You never know what I'm gonna do when I'm retired at Especially age seventy. Go bring out the Wii. <laughs> Wait, you didn't bring see out the Wii. Wii. Hook it into my hologram projector in 2076. <laughs> Let's look at these final bosses. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be my life when I retire. Wait, you never saw him in the Hyrule Historia? I pre- didn't you read? Like, read the whole thing? Uh, no, I didn't read the whole thing. I read most of it. I skipped the final boss pages. Oh, wow. Right. Yeah, yeah. Hyrule Historia is awesome, by the way. Just saying. Uh, total pivot away from Zelda, though. Splatoon. There's no segue there. Splatoon. Um, so this was another big game that had a lot of mystery coming out of E3 because we knew it had multiplayer 
And Reggie, in an interview, as we talked about last episode, Jose, was saying, yeah, there's some other modes because it's a retail game. But now we know what's... It's a retail game? It's going to be a retail game. Come down the first half twice. See, those are things like they didn't say at launch. Yeah. I mean, at announcement, but they said after the fact. So it's a retail game. It's coming in the first half of 2015. And speaking with a site called Game Rant, the project lead, who I'm now going to butcher the names of, uh, to Tsubasa Sagaguchi. I'm not even going to try. Why am I even trying? And Hisashi Nagami. That one's a lot easier. Uh, they were talking to a site game. You give them nicknames. Yeah, you're right. Uh, so Saga and Nogi and Noga, Sagi and Noga were saying, not just Sagi, Saga, S A K. Oh, Saga, Saka and Noga. Why are you making me do this? <laughs> anyway, so these guys who make the game were talking game rant, and they said that not only is it going to have offline multiplayer, which is kind of a given, um, it's also going to have experiences that focus on fewer than four on four teams. So that includes a single player mode, which they didn't really talk about. But also includes a one-on-one mode that you can play locally. And this is kind of interesting because one person's going to be on the gamepad and the other person's going to be using a pro controller. Hmm. And what they're kind of aiming for, it's still a work in progress, but they're saying think of it kind of like a slower-paced thing. It's a little different style of competition. The exact way they word it was it's got a lot more stalking and hiding in ink. So it's going to be more of a quiet mode in a sense is how they described it. So basically you're going to have your fast-paced Splatoon, you're going to have your slow-paced Splatoon, and they claim they don't know if they're going to have one player on the TV and one player on the gamepad or both players on the TV. But if you're doing a stalking minigame, like a stalking mode where you have to hide, I'm pretty sure it's going to be ones on each screen. They said they're still working on it and they don't know. But it'd be incredibly stupid if you had a split screen where you're stalking each other because you can yeah, just look it, and see. But It can only work that way. Yeah. Only on Wii U. Exactly. Yeah, that, this is one of those games that Nintendo's like, oh, we're going to have games that really demonstrate why you need the gamepad. And they were saying, Nintendo's been saying in interviews that Splatoon is the example of that. Like, you're kind of like, really? It has a map. How's that the example? But the fact they use the map to jump really quickly around, the fact they use the map to find your teammates to know where to attack, the fact that the gyro controls your aiming and peeking around corners and stuff, you can turn off the gyro. Controls will be customizable. But um, still, all that stuff, like, it really wouldn't work on PS4 or Xbox One. It is really a gamepad-only sort of experience. Yeah. Which is rare to see. Especially after, like, Donkey Kong, where they didn't even turn on the screen on the gamepad. Yeah. Or Mario Kart, where it's a horn. It's still kind of disheartening that the fact that Nintendo is the one that are not really doing much. Well, now they it. are. Because now they have Splatoon. Well, they have... that they were. Right. But they, they're realizing they need to now. Because between Splatoon and the Amiibo toys, which use NFC on the gamepad, and then Miyamoto's Star Fox, Project Guard, Project, um... What was the other one called? Robot. Pro- Project Giant Robot, yeah. Robot. Between Between all those, they kind of have to... Now they're actually showing that they kind of have to use the gamepad, and they are using it, so... So I don't know, but um, the one other thing kind of interesting about Splatoon, to me at least, this is more like the backstory side, it really represents the younger, like, up-and-coming generation at Nintendo. I don't know if you guys have noticed Mimo saying for a few years, like, oh yeah, we're training, like, the next generation Nintendo mm-hmm. developers, like, I'm passing the baton, or, like, extend, you know, we're bringing them into the fold more. This is one of the first products of it. The director of the game, about ten developers, actually, were from the Animal Crossing team, and the director of Splatoon previously was the director of some of Nintendo Land's minigames. So this really is like a young team. First of all, going from Animal Crossing to Splatoon is weird. But Nintendo Land to this makes more sense. The Nintendo Land makes sense. But, um, but yeah, it's a small team. It's all these young guys. And it shows that... I think it shows that once Mimo retires, which is going to happen one day, Nintendo's still going to have whatever that magic touch of theirs is. Because Splatoon's gang, everyone's like, oh, it's like him. the perfect Nintendo... What? <laughs> you could freeze him. Cryogenically yeah. freeze him. But then he can't do anything if he's frozen. They have to thaw him out. But like, yeah, thaw him out in the right moment, though. So when they're failing completely? Yeah, essentially. All right. Uh, yeah, we'll pass it on to Nintendo and have them do it. I, mean, I guess they could but, have him on speed though, regardless. I mean, yeah. even if he's retired, I'm sure, like... Oh, yeah, but, but eventually he won't be alive. 
not to go super morbid here, but they're mm-hmm. going to need, like, you know, it's like Apple after Steve Jobs. They need to be able to carry it on somehow. So, so it's good to know that they have developers that can do that. Is this, I guess, like, because Nintendo's been saying, oh, we're training them for a while. It's like, great, but are they actually going to be able to do it? Well, Splatoon, based on personality 3, they're saying it's like the perfect Nintendoized shooter. So it sounds like it's working. Hmm. So go, go oh. team, I guess. Um, but the thing, the thing about Splatoon is, Actually, the thing about this E3 in general is it wasn't just Splatoon and it wasn't just Zelda, but there's a lot of unclear things about games from E3. Like Splatoon, we didn't know about modes. Zelda, we don't know anything about, really. And then also Yoshi's Woolly World, we didn't really know, like, what it would entail in terms of difficulty. Because looks can be pretty deceiving. Splatoon, it's like, oh yeah, it looks like multiplayer. Is it only multiplayer? Yoshi's Woolly World, oh, it looks like Kirby's Epic Yarn. Is it as easy as Kirby Epic Yarn? We had a whole conversation about this in our first E3 episode. Like, oh, I hope there's more to it than Kirby, because that was simple. So, it Ooh, sounds like... Well, Kirby, that's what I was saying. You were saying yeah, it's Kirby, more about exploring. Yeah, Kirby's as hard as... That game was as hard as you wanted it to be. Right. Well, this one's gonna be harder, oh. just period. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, the devel- the producer of the series... Of, sorry, not the series. Yeah, the Yoshi series, and of Yoshi's Roy World, uh, Takashi Tezuka, who we met last year at, e- at the Best Buy event, I feel really? like bringing back up, as I always do. He was getting an interview with Nintendo World Report, where he basically said that, yeah... This Yoshi game's actually going to be a legitimate, like, game with difficulty. It's not going to be about make it as hard as you want or explore as much as you want. This is a game where you die. This is a game where things happen. The only thing they're taking from Kirby Epic Yarn is the look of it. Everything else, uh, he told the developer Goodfield, just treat it like a Yoshi game. So that means there'll be more to so it. So yeah, I mean, it just looked like a straight-up Yoshi game just with the... Yeah, it's Yoshi's story and Yoshi Island. Yeah. But, I mean, at the same at the same time, though, I would take away Santa Grand Assault because Yoshi games aren't notoriously hard. I mean, granted, the original Yoshi's Island was, and Yoshi's Island DS at times was, and Yoshi's... Yoshi's Island DS was... Yeah, like, halfway through it, it ramped up. Yeah, I had a lot of... Yeah, and Yoshi's, and Yoshi's New Island, like, at the tail end, like, the last very tail end, it ramps up. But for the most part, Yoshi games aren't notoriously hard either, so I'm not sure. He's like, oh yeah, it's gonna be harder, but harder than nothing is still possibly easy. <laughs> so, I don't know, it's, um... And the game totally... As long as it's fun. Yeah. And the game totally looks like it is, like you said, it is channeling Yoshi's Island. It is channeling Yoshi's story. You're going around collecting things, exploring things, finding all the fruit, or not fruit in this case, but like different yarn objects. As long as it makes me smile just for owning it. The Nintendo <laughs> slogan right there. <laughs> Wasn't that like a quote from someone? No, they, they used to have... The, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah that's the, right. Yeah. No, but Nintendo also has a smile, the slogan that they want to put a smile on your face. So I guess it's worth the 50, 60 bucks if they put a smile on your face. Yeah, it yeah. means you're heavy. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, moving beyond, I just wanted to mention that about Yoshi's World because we had a whole discussion about it two episodes ago. We are like, yeah, how easy or hard will it be? So it's got to have something. But Tezuka also talked about Mario Maker and he had some more interesting Oh, things. merchandising. That's the only thing I forgot to mention. They have to merchandise that... Yoshi? That Yoshi. Oh, um, the Yoshi. Wanna, oh, here's the thing. I don't want to have to look for someone to make me one. Nintendo said they might. Uh, Tezuka said in that same interview with Nintendo World Report, they're like, or was it Nintendo World Report? There's another, it might be a different site, but he said, um, they're like, can we have one of those plush Yoshis? Like, are you making those plush Yoshis? My wife would love one, or something like that. And he's like, I would like to, I can't guarantee it, but we're looking at it. So there you go. Might happen. It'd be a cool Club Nintendo award. Yeah, it's gonna support Amiibo. Maybe they'll put the Amiibo inside a wool toy instead of a, (laughs) I mean the NFC chip in a wool toy. Actually, that's actually That would get dirty. It would, but that's an interesting thought, and I think about it. Nintendo has said, I kind of forgot about this, Nintendo has said that Amiibos don't have to be the same shape or size or anything. The concept is it's a toy that syncs with your gamepad. It could come in any shape, size, texture, textile. 
I mean, they probably will because it'll cost more money. Well, unless they make it like a premium thing. Oh, yeah. Or like if they do some sort of promotion where it's like buy Yoshi's Woolly World and register it within the first two weeks of launch, and we'll get you, we'll give you a actual Woolly Yoshi, like Yarn mm. Yoshi, which does all the same stuff as the normal Amiibo toy, but it's wool instead of plastic. I wonder if that's why they haven't made the Bowser Amiibo yet, because so far like all the statues look like they're all to scale with each other, at least in the Smash Bros. universe. Mm-hmm. And Bowser, even though he's not, like, super huge, he's still pretty big. It seems like he would take up, like, two Amiibo stands. Well, yeah. Well, they just make him a bigger stand, but, um... Not that, like, I guarantee big. they're gonna make a big Bowser when... Because Amiibos work with Mario Party 10, which is all Bowser-themed. So I bet you there'll be a special Bowser for uh, Mario Party 10. Yeah. It's kind of a bummer, though, that it seems like there's gonna be, like, Amiibos for every game as opposed to, like, one Amiibo that you use for, like, every game. You can use them for every game. That's what's weird about Amiibos. Yeah, but that's it. It's not, that's it. It's not like, entirely clear yet. I mean, well, it's like, only some clear. of them. No, no, no. They all will work. If you have a Mario... They've said this in interviews. If you have a Mario... Sorry, if a trainer will work with Mario Kart 8? If you have... No, 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 no. Well, I see what you mean. If you have a character that is in a game, the toy, regardless of which game you bought it from, will in some way be recognized by, by that game. So if you have a Mario from Smash Bros. you put in Mario Kart 8, whatever they do with Amiibos and Mario Kart, it will go, yep, that's Mario. If you put in Mario Party, I'll go, yup, that's Mario. <laughs> that's all it does. Yeah, it, I don't know what that, but they're saying that where it, it gets different is if you get the toy that's specific for that game, you get extra functionality. But we'll still identify the character and do the base level stuff. So it's like a half, it's like halfway avoiding what you're saying, but it's not as nice as you want to be, I'm sure. It's messed up. It's better than Skylanders only working with a single game. <laughs> so. Yeah, they seem to be doing really good. Yeah, that's why Nintendo wants some of that money. Nintendo's like, hey, if they can do it with one franchise, imagine if we did it with like six franchises and we them all talk to each other. So, and also some of the stats that go between them, like if your Mario's all powered up in one game, it could potentially mean some sort of special power-up thing in the other game, which is mm-hmm. kind of cool, but we'll see. Uh, the other thing that Tezuka talked about, though, is, of course, Mario Maker, which is his other project, and uh, we all, I think we all kind of agreed that it looked kind of like Mario Paint when we first saw it, right? Mm-hmm. Not, not a coincidence. Originally, it was Mario Paint. He originally, um... He was telling Nintendo World Report that he initially was thinking of using the gamepad for a drawing program, a Mario Paint sequel. And then he realized, not everyone's good at drawing, and some people might be turned off as a result. Case in point, me. You guys have seen my drawing. I can't. <laughs> so, like, you guys would be fine, especially you, Jose. You're really good at drawing. But, but like, I would go, yeah, no, and not buy it. So instead, they decided to do something where they give you the tools for your creation. You don't have to know how to draw Mario level. You just plop down the tools like a Photoshop layer, and then, boom, you can make your own level and be just as creative as you want without the downside of not actually having the talent to make the things that make the level. So that's how it kind of evolved from Mario Paint into a full Mario game. That plus, he's like, wait a minute, we have a tool already that makes Mario levels internally. Why don't we just polish it up and throw it into the world and make some money? So so those two things kind of combined, and that's how we got Mario Maker. But I thought it was kind of interesting that they really are... It really was a Mario Paint, and they're kind of sticking with that in the sense that Mario Paint had painting, obviously, but also had music creation. And they want to put a music-making mode into Mario Maker. So you can make your own Mario tunes. Yeah. Which I think would be kind of cool. What about a new Mario typing? A new Mario teaches typing? Mm-hmm. Well, they have Pikachu teaches typing under a different name in uh, Japan and Europe. It comes with a keyboard accessory. Or maybe just Japan. No, in Europe, yeah. You, oh, get, a keyboard that work, you get a keyboard that hooks into your DS. I'm not kidding. And then you play this game, and Pikachu teaches you typing, and you get to learn how to spell Pika, <laughs> and Chew, and PP, and Kachu, and and maybe Raichu if he evolves. <laughs> and that's it. That's the whole game. But but no, they still are doing that. So maybe they'll throw it in as an Easter egg or something. That'd be kind of funny, though. But uh, for the music thing, he was telling... Yeah, he said to the site NZ Gamer that... Um, which is New Zealand, for those that didn't piece that together. Uh, yeah, they want to do music. And... 
it seems doable. I don't know. Do you guys remember this game in like the early '90s called SimTunes? It was part of like Sim City at one point was so popular they made Sim Ants, Sim Tunes, Sim Town, Sim. Sim, Yeah, they made like a million different Sim games, and one of them was Sim Tunes. Its interface is oddly similar to what Mario Maker currently has. So I'm wondering if they go that route. Like Sim Tunes was super. I actually loved it as a kid. It was uh, basically you get like all these little bugs that look like different instruments. So there's like a piano with like bug eyes and whatnot, like little cartoony bug eyes, not creepy fly on the wall spider eating you alive bug eyes. Um, but so you get all these like different instruments, and instead of just like laying down the music like as like a written score, you cut, put down different colored blocks on this huge like I don't know 600 by 600 square grid. And you put down different blocks, and then the bugs, whenever they travel over those blocks, they'll just move up, down, left, right, whatever way you want. But whenever they travel over the blocks, they'll start playing those notes. So you could build, like, this whole... You could actually make a... Essentially make a picture, like an actual, like, drawing out of these blocks, like a pixelated picture, mm. and have them play it and have them make music with it. Which sounds perfect for them to rip off from Mario Maker, because they have the grid, they have the same interface, and they're doing a music creation thing, and they want to do Mario Paint referencing... So why don't they just do that? Make a picture and then be able to play music from it and make it with Mario instruments, and they're done. So, yeah. Nintendo, you're welcome to steal that idea. Um, you might have to, like, talk to Maxis to get the rights to the interface, but... Yeah, I would suck at making any kind of music, but I would definitely be curious to see what people make. Yeah, see, I'm not big on making music either, but I love SimTunes as a kid, and I made some pretty, I made some pretty killer jams. <laughs> um, except I don't have them anymore, because it was on a Windows 95 computer that no longer works. But that's besides the point. The point is, it's a really easy way to make... Like, even if you don't know how to make... Like, even if you can't make a good tune, just... Sometimes just saying them off on random, like, rainbows of colors would make cool tunes. Or making them... Focusing on the picture and then letting them play the picture would make an interesting song. So, so, I mean, people are always going to come up with really cool stuff. Yeah, exactly. So I'm kind of... I'm kind of hoping that's what they do. I don't think it's going to be what they do, because it's not even their game. But, like, when I heard that, when I read that interview, I'm like, Oh, man, Sim Tunes! They need to do Sim Tunes. So... So who knows? And it works. It would work super well with the gamepad because you can use the stylus, which is probably easier than using a mouse like I had to do. Oh. But whatever, however they do it, whatever they do, they're they're still figuring out sharing. You would think a game like Mario Maker, right off the bat, they'd be like, "Yep, this is how we're gonna share. It's gonna be Meverse, one and done." But apparently, in that same interview with NZ Gamer, Tezuka was saying that it could be Meverse. It could be some sort of in-game gallery. It could even be YouTube. They might have an export feature, all on Mario Kart Eight, where you can share a finished level on YouTube for everyone to watch. One thing you won't get, though, most likely, is multiplayer. Right now, they're keeping it a single-player experience. Although, Nintendo World Report did make a cool suggestion to him that I hope they do, where, uh, what if you were building the level and someone was playing it at the same time? Like, one person's on the gamepad, and they have to construct the level as quickly as they can, because the other person on the TV using the Wiimote has to run through it. But they could throw obstacles in their way, like enemies to slow them back down, so you have more time to build your level. And it was all, like, you know, under a time limit or something. Mm-hmm. His so response to that... Hard. Yeah, but it also sounds super fun. I mean, they, they streamline it course but Mm -hmm. it sounds like i think that could be super cool and his response was oh oh that's interesting so (laughs) so maybe they'll do it who knows but uh another thing they're considering actually now i think about we got mentioned they're considering character uh, different skins as well mario Mm -hmm. mario 3 mario 2 mario world right now it's just mario and new super mario brothers you but yeah mario U. but i i i think they should go one step further he said they're considering other sprites which obviously you know it's a piece of cake why don't they just make entirely new sets? Why don't they do Paper Mario? Why don't they do some sort of like 2D Mario 64 style polygon graphics? They could have some fun. There was never a 2D Mario like so, that. So why why wouldn't they do it? Why can't they sell them as DLC? I don't know. I mean, it seems <laughs> it's easier not to because 
Well, there was never a Mario like that in that skin. Fine, Paper yeah, Mario. Mario. Paper like, Mario. Paper I mean, Mario. I feel like they would probably just do like Super Mario Brothers two and Super Mario Brothers three. But why not like, Paper Mario? Why not? Like why? If they're I mean, saying why not for any game? Well, no, 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 no. I mean, but you my, can see like you, you already see the direction they're heading. So yeah, no. But I mean, my point is like the whole point. Their whole point is oh, make your own Mario games. So, like okay. What if you do a Mario game that hasn't been done? Like, what if they give you the tools to do a real... Make your own 2D platform Mario game. Yeah. Which is, use all the sprites that are 2D Mario platform. No, but I'm saying why update? Because they're saying create your own version of Mario. You're asking for too much. I am, but for DLC... I'm just thinking to reality here. For DLC, it could be super cool, though. Like, if there's like, hey, Hey, five bucks, take the Mario Mario 64 skins, go. Why not? Like, if you could replace Mario Control Bowser, that would also be super cool. <laughs> Actually, yeah, that's a good point. I know, they and we kind of got that in Paper Mario Thousand Year Door. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, we're not going to get, like, indestructible environments. We're not, And I'm pretty sure we're not going to get, like, um, a lot of, like, the little, like, difficult mechanics of, um, like, making Super Mario levels. Like, so far, I mean, maybe we will. They haven't showed anybody going inside pipes. So I don't know right. if they're actually going to incorporate that because right. that'd be a whole other screen that they have to incorporate into the level. So I don't know if they want to keep everything on one long screen or... They're going to incorporate, like, a lot of, um... There's some platformers that are basically giant wheels that just rotate in sure. place. yeah, yeah. And like, the Boo Houses did that a lot. The Boo Houses are just, like, a bunch of, like, weird moving platforms. Like, I mean... Yeah. Are they going to just be planes, or are they going to be... I imagine yeah, they would have the... Pla- I imagine they'd or... have the platforms on a track that you draw. Like, you just do a stylus. Like, make an... You know, you make an L to stylus, and it follows that track. Those are probably in. They'd be... I'll put it this way. They're making this a full retail release. There is box art on nintendo.com for this like it's a retail release coming in the first half of next year they can't have it be bare bones so maybe okay so my pipe dream might be no pun intended pipe mario my pipe dream might be insane about paper mario mario 64 but the stuff you're saying jose about like you know having going into pipes and moving platforms if they don't put that in it's a ripoff quite frankly because that's just like (laughs) that's standard other part of mario yeah yeah and if they do stuff like you're saying all this about like bowser or other sprites you could swap out that seems like it would make sense. Oh, just making an analogy of a... Oh no, no, no! But I'm saying, like, hypothetically, <laughs> yeah. that is a lot easier even than what I was saying. Oh, I'd be. Yeah. Imagine they don't even let you play as Luigi, and have like Luigi. Well, the year of Luigi's over, so <laughs> they have no obligation. <laughs> but I just call Mario Maker, not Lu- Mario yeah, it's, and it's, Luigi it's, Maker. Yeah, Mario, Mario Brothers, Brothers Maker. Yeah, it's not Mario Brothers Maker. It's <laughs> yeah, Mario, Mario Maker. Mario. All right. Yeah. So, I guess, yeah. but I mean, I always say like my mind go run a little wild with that. But it seems like if you're making a full retail game, you're gonna charge full retail price. You gotta load it with stuff and then maybe do DLC of Mario 64 as a side scroller I'm just saying I'm just saying just saying uh but yeah moving moving away from air views I guess um at least for a little while we're gonna go back to them talk about Nintendo at a broader level but we did learn a couple things about a couple other games like Bayonetta 1 now you guys have played Bayonetta 1 on what PS3 yeah, I haven't played it uh what, what do you think of it Jose? You, you played it haven't you yeah like it is it, is it good um, give me a thought. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's fun. I mean, it's like the best thing I could say is just like if you've played God of War and like those kind of games, then you'll definitely like this one. It's like the almost the exact same kind of thing where you just like fight through a few enemies, do a puzzle here or there, and then fight a few Wait, more enemies. And so Bayonetta, like, I just realized something. So Bayonetta, you know how like during Halloween, it's like, oh yeah, um, if you're a girl, it's like, oh, I'm not dressed as a nurse. I'm a sexy nurse. Oh, I'm not this. I'm a sexy. So Bayonetta is literally God of War's sexy costume for Halloween because they just replaced the guy with the girl in skimpy clothes. Yeah, essentially. So yeah. Bayonetta's "I'm sexy God of War" is that all it is? <laughs> yeah, except 
there's vehicles. I don't think from okay, I remember yeah, there's no vehicles in um, God of War, but yeah, there's definitely vehicles. Yeah, so we're able to transform. Yeah, that's true. And and actually, not to kill my own little joke there, but um, yeah, like this, it's like, just an action game in general. That's the genre. Yeah, it's, just, yeah. it's an action game. I mean, it's pretty much your attacks that you could learn a whole bunch of attacks, but you're really only going to stick to like two. Sure. Yeah. So like those are like really good, and then you have your dodge. And, well, see, that's where things might get different because the costume they're making co- as they announced at E3, they're making costumes in Bayonetta One of uh, Link, Samus, P- Princess Peach, and those have ability. It's not just straight up. It's not just like oh look, they're as we were talking about before. It's not as simple as the the money's now coins. There's actually stuff you can do with each costume. For example, when you're no, Princess cool. Peach. The... Yeah. The direct. Yeah, exactly. Although the, the Treehouse Live thing where... Yeah, they showed it on there a little, and then Bayonetta did a whole blog post outlining, like, all of it. Or not mm. Bayonetta, sorry, Platinum <laughs> Games. Bayonetta herself came to life and wrote a blog post about it. No, um, Platinum Games did a whole article about it on their blog, um, which is where I'm getting it from. Well, first of all, costumes have been a long-standing thing in Bayonetta. Yeah. They had schoolgirls, queens, all sorts of random costumes you could dress as. So this is really just an extension of that. It's not that crazy. For people who never played Bayonetta, it's not that insane they're doing this. So for Princess Peach, what you get to do is you get, because um, you summon magic attacks, Princess Peach can summon Bowser. So you can either summon all of Bowser, or depending on how strong your magic is, you can summon his legs or his arms, and you can punch and kick and stomp. And... Wait, are you sure it was all of Bowser? Pretty sure it was always just like the kicks and punches. I think from what I, I th- think you have the ability to summon both his arms, and yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah, because from what I saw from like just the game in yeah. general, like um, Benetta's, like, I guess, like finishing moves from her combo, they're either like a giant punch or like a giant stomp or kick. Right, you and, might be right, actually. And, I might have okay, And occasionally, like, show something like a giant dragon hit. And I'm pretty sure, like, I remember, like, I was, like, sticking through, like, the the live Nintendo Treehouse thing because mm-hmm. I wanted to see, like, oh, is Bowser's head going to pop out and, like, chew on the monster? Like, Does it? And, no, it's, like, the uh, regular dragon. Then I probably misinterpreted the blog post because they are saying, like, she only had this much magic, so she only cast his arms. I'm like, oh, so he can be all cast. But you probably, it's probably right. It's probably like versus maybe, maybe, maybe that's just them saying like, oh, she only had this much magic, but oh, as a whole. maybe that's, yeah, maybe so that's like, just an excuse. Yeah, I didn't think of that. Yeah, but I, mean, I guarantee yeah. that's the costume you're going to play as, Mr. Bowser Fanatic. They're pretty cool to play as Bowser. But then again, like, am I going to want to play again right after playing this one? True, you probably going to jump straight to Bayonet too. I kind of jumped, well... I don't want to say I jumped the gun because it's like, who are we to assume that they're going to put part one? Well, everyone Especially, wanted it, but it's not Oh, yeah, like but I mean, or maybe like not like that fast. Like, I didn't think it'd be free. That's yeah. the thing that blew me away. I thought they'd like be like, yeah, it's 20 bucks on the eShop or something, but nope, it's it's free. But anyway, back to the costumes. Um, So if you're Princess Peach, you summon Bowser. If you're Link, you gain a giant master sword, literally a huge master sword that will cut enemies in two. Uh, so that's a little different in the sense that... um. Usually, does she? She doesn't usually have weaponry. She like, has physical. a lot of different weapons. But she it's usually can... guns and stuff, right? Nope. It's swords um, too. This just how little I know. Yeah, about it's, like, <laughs> it's swords too, though. I could have sworn she. Yeah, and it's kind of cool. You can also like combine like different things on her. Like you could have like um one hand have a blade, and you can have the legs have guns, or you could have the hands have like these claw right. things, oh, okay. and yeah, or you could have the legs have the swords. I don't know. Like you could combine like what she has because sure. She has, like, yeah. Yeah, well, but you, you have like giant claws, you have giant swords, you have guns, you have different kinds of guns, you have different kinds of claws. Well, now you have this giant master sword if you're Link as well. Yeah. Um, and also sound effects. If you choose to be Link, they're going to replace a bunch of the sound effects with a Link to the Past sound effects. So opening treasure chest sounds will be there when you get items, like the works. Now one thing I bet you she couldn't do, and this one I'm pretty sure of, she cannot open and close a visor at her will on her head. Am I right? No, she didn't really have a visor. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, redeemed. Uh, yeah, so if you choose to be Samus, this is the thing they hyped up. They didn't hype up the fact that she has an arm cannon and can shoot things out of it. That was like, whatever. The only thing they talked about on the blog was you can open and close her visor on her face at will, saying it's going to make for some fun cutscenes, because even in cutscenes, you press it and it just goes like, in the middle of the cutscene. 
Kind of like the Remember Me guy from Other M, but you have total control over it. So, it's super gimmicky, but I think that's my favorite <laughs> costume for that reason alone. That guy's confirmed for Smash Brothers. Is he? <laughs> he should be an assist trophy. He doesn't do anything except remind <laughs> you who he Remember me? <laughs> he pops up in the back of the stage and just goes, Remember me? And he just goes right back down. I hope they put Kinda, him in. That became such an like, uh, iconic part of the trailer. It's because it's just so random. <laughs> I don't know if you remember the trailer in full, but basically, no, like... No, I don't. I just remember, remember me. That's my point. There's nothing else to remember. And no other dialogue in the And I bet no one knew who he was either. So. No, they were like, who is this random dude in a visor? But no, they um, they had no dialogue in the trailer. It was all music and action and stuff. And then randomly, they show him going, remember me? And it's like, no, I don't. I've never played this game. <laughs> and that's the very first trailer, too. Yeah. So that's why it was so iconic. But yeah, um, oh man, I hope he has an assist trophy in Smash that he can lift and close the visor on. Yeah, he's gonna have a random trophy in the description which is the remember him <laughs> that's all it will say it won't say what game he's from it'll just say like, remember him speaking of Smash thank you for the segue uh, it, we got some info on Smash courtesy of Masahiro Sakurai's latest Miiverse post because I, I, you know what I'm starting to realize um, yeah he's really going crazy with the customization I know I said before that Smash Bros, like, I said in the last episode, obviously you weren't there for this one, but I was making a point that, like, uh, Smash Bros, Melee was like, oh, here's a competent fighter. Brawl is like, oh, here we're throwing everything into the game as as much as possible, like, everything in the kitchen sink. And then the new one, Wii U and 3DS, is kind of, they're going, hey, remember all that stuff we did for Smash Bros? Well, now you get to make your fight, you get to make your character, everything's customized. Like, if the theme was, like, stuff in the last one, the theme in this one is customize the stuff. Like, everything's customizable, because the new thing he announced is that, um... The new thing is optional. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing about customization. It's custom. As long as, long as it's not... <laughs> the customizing is If it's not online, is that important to me? No, it's, it's not online. Exactly. But, which is... Well, here's the... <laughs> well, okay, so you can tune me out. Hi, Jose, how's it going? Kind of uh, on the same boat. Hey, I, well, I'm telling the listeners. <laughs> hey, t- hey, listeners, thanks for thanks for listening along. Only because um, of the Amiibos, I'm, like, still interested, though. All right, well, here's the oh, thing yeah, that he said. Uh, well, actually, before we even get to that... Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, There's an online mode just called, like, Amiibo Fights. That'd be kind of cool. And you just watch them, like, a spectator sport? Did yeah. you compare Amiibo fighting to dog fights in episode, yeah. episode two ago? Um, but yeah, what, what's ne- what we now know, it has nothing to do with Amiibos, though, is Mii fighters are co- more customizable than we even thought previously. Turns out, when you make your Mii in, like, the Mii Maker or whatever on the 3DS or Wii U, and then you import them into Smash Bros., how you made them, in when you first made them, affects how they act in Smash Bros. Their size, mm, their height, hurt. their weight, all of that translates over. So there are smaller Mii's, there are taller Mii's, and they reflect, their size is properly reflected against other characters. And smaller Mii's are obviously faster, taller Mii's are more power fighters. But again, it's just like another layer of customization. We're like five layers deep now on this thing. But I, I think that's kind of cool. I mean, obviously you can go back and edit your Mii, but it's still pretty cool. It definitely, definitely guarantees they will, that Mii fires will not under any circumstance be used in tournament play. Yeah. Because how do you enforce that? Well, my Mii's a semi-retard your and your Mii, so which one's regulation? Like, there's no way. Well, I guess it won't matter. At the end of the day, it's like they, they'll just figure out which is, like, the best combination to use. Or That's true. So maybe it will eventually, one? because if they find the, like, sweet spot for a Mii Fighter, and then they just make that Yeah, because, I mean, how they look Mii. is completely irrelevant. I mean, a Mii Fighter is still going to be a Mii Fighter in the end. That's true. Yeah, but... It's just, oh, I guess... The well, only... no, it is different. That's no, yeah, my point. No, yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, well, that's it's just the moveset. The moveset. No, 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 not the moveset. That's my point. You were, you tuned me out when you said you weren't listening. The height and weight of your me determines how no, fast. No, I know, I know, I know that. That, uh, that's yeah. I said. That people would just figure out like what would be the best one to oh, use. Oh, I see. What you're like saying. that so they'll like, find the sweet spot, and then it's yeah, the best no, move. That, that's be it because left. like yeah. yeah, I mean, well, I guess that's not standard, but I guess it's also like, I mean, 
I guess if there's a tournament, I guess they're going to have to have, like, me's already kind of preset with heights because you're not going to sit there and wait for someone to make a me, like, for the one they want. Right. Actually, that kind of, that's probably why, like, you probably won't see any customization in tournaments because, I mean, you're not going to also sit there and wait, like, oh, wait, uh, oh, there's no me with my specific moveset that I want for all his B attacks. You have, like, yeah. 12 to pick from or not. Yeah, yeah. And that goes for, I guess, all characters and Palatina and whatnot, so. Yeah. That's true, yeah. I mean, there has to be... unless There's got to be a sweet... There's got to be, like, the perfect set. Yeah, like, that's not, like, stays that. that's not... Unless Nintendo, like, says, like, oh, this is the standard me set, which they're not, because... Yeah. Then, the, then I guess me just won't be allowed. Yeah, I guess so, but, um... I mean, I don't... I don't think, um, Mortal Kombat use... Like, no one's allowed to use Kratos or Freddy Cougar, right? Or anything like that of this? You can use Freddy Cougar. Oh, but you can't use Kratos, right? Why would you be able to? I think you can. Are they customized in some way? Well, this it appears to be exclusive character. I know you could. Oh, so in the PS3 yeah, yeah, version, you could. You could yeah, use... but I mean, if you're going to like Evo, oh, or, like, you're a going to Evo or something, yeah, okay. Yeah, but you're able to use the other ones, just not Kratos. Yeah. Also, the Kratos stage, oh. you can't use it. That makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, beyond that, just real quick, in case anyone needed to know, Masahiro Sakurai also announced via Miiverse that Link has a Skyward Sword costume, an alt costume of his Skyward Sword garb. Which it is took me a while to figure out what part of it was the Skyward Sword part. Yeah, it didn't look directly <laughs> like it, but it's it's there, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> like, they just kind of did some weird palette swaps and then added some symbols. and uh, So that's there. And also, there's going to be a fully playable four-player version of Balloon Fight included in the 3DS version. Which is... Which actually makes sense, because Balloon Fight and Smash Bros. are not that different. You're both just kind of jumping around the stage trying to knock each other to death. In the case of Balloon Fight, you're trying to hit them into things that will pop their balloon. Yeah. So, But it's going to be 8-bit and everything. And I don't know if you'll be able to use any character. The screenshot only showed four little Balloon Fight guys. So probably just that. And the last thing, speaking of 3DS version, there's a new mini game that he showed called Trophy Rush. It looks kind of like a mix of the old Target Practice combined with uh, like Smash Melee's Run. Adventure Mode combined with Smash Run. Yeah. It's like a weird, like, blended version. He didn't say anything about what it would be, but it's there. So even more content for 3DS. But yeah, Smash Bros. news has been kind of light lately. There might be a character reveal coming up soon at World Hobby Fair. They were passed around flyers with characters on it. They had the game there. Nintendo was there showing off the 3DS version. There were flyers. And there was a question mark spot on the flyer for one extra character. I think it was there simply because it wouldn't have been a nice, even rectangle of characters. Because they had, like, you know, boxes for each character. And it was... They were one short, so they put the question mm -hmm. mark. But... I don't know if they're announcing it soon or what, but there's there's something. Something's brewing. Somewhere. Or they just put that there just to have, like, oh... And there is no extra character. That's it. They're just yeah. throwing you in the loop. But so, but beyond beyond even Nintendo itself, uh, hasn't been actually a lot of specific game news beyond Nintendo itself. E3, you know, it kind of is expected that when E3 ends and the summer's first beginning, there's not going to be a ton of new game news, but there were a couple of announcements. Yeah, developers feel like, alright, I already revealed everything to yeah, exactly. for a while, they're satisfied. Except then you got weird... I didn't leave people with a bunch of new questions that they just want to know. Right, and which, which like, we just spent literally the last hour trying to figure out some of those answers just based on interviews. Like, that's not even, like, official, you know, press releases or confirmations. There's a lot of, like, speculative stuff. But, but not every case... Not in every case is a publisher like, yeah, we have nothing. For example, before E3, Ubisoft announced that they now have Tetris, and they're doing a game called Tetris Ultimate for PS4, Xbox One, and PC. And then after E3, they went, oh yeah, and 3DS. I don't know why they couldn't announce it before E3 or show it at E3, but but basically, for those curious, it's a new Tetris. That sounds really run-of-the-mill, to be honest. It has a marathon mode, an endless mode, a sprint mode, a battle mode, power-up battle-up, or power-up battle-up, power-up battles. But then it has one little thing that's kind of unexpected and interesting it has an asynchronous online play mode so the game will actually learn your play style 
mimic your play style as an AI bot, and then go play against your friends online if you're not around. I mean, you'll tell them it's not you, it's a bot of you. But still, it's like Mario Golf asynchronous makes sense, you know. You hit the ball however you hit it, and it just memorizes where you, what you did. It just, you know, saves that to memory and then plays it back as like a replay on someone else's golf course as they're going through it. That makes perfect sense. This, where it's like real-time and kind of reactive, because, you know, like Power Pal, for example, you'd be sending blocks back and forth. I don't know how it's going to do that. Like, is there really that much strategy to Tetris? <laughs> I guess there are different... Well, that kind of is. I guess there are but... different ways to solve a puzzle, but at the end of the day, you're still just trying to clear lines. It's not like Mario Golf where it's just it's, like, oh, it's it's seeing, it's literally projecting you went left of the hole, then you went right of the hole. This one's like, I guess it's like, do you stack them at the bottom? Do you stack them in well, the no, middle? Cause, well, cause, I mean, like, do the you best, leave the left open? I mean, the best the Tetris right strategy open? is just making a bunch of Tetrises. That's it. Right, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, you're just going to do that. Like, what's the AI, unless the AI learns, oh, you tend to leave the left side open for a big long piece to drop in at the end versus the right side. I don't know how it would. Hmm. It's a cool concept. I just don't know how it's going to work. It just got to play to the... Yeah. You got to play to the, a, a too simple of a game, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it could work really well. Who knows? But it, it's there. So that'd be something. And the one handy thing that they're also including is you'll be able... If your friend beats your bot, which I suspect will happen a lot, you can view a replay of what your friend did and then kind of learn their strategies. So it's almost like this Tetris game's like strategic Tetris, which I didn't know was entirely a thing. I thought you just... I thought it was all like... Reflective, like solve as fast as you can. Maybe that's why I'm bad at it. <laughs> no, the def- the def- you can definitely get really good at Tetris. I've played. I remember in Tetris DS when I would play online, there were some people that were crazy, like fast at just getting those Tetris and right. just like blocking your whole side. Right. I guess. Yeah. I guess you do something like that. It'll just learn how it's, to it's get just muscle, that fast. It, yeah. It's just like quick reflexes. But I see, mean, that's not something a bot. Y- yeah. Can yeah. Learn. You have to be able to look at like what pieces are coming up and where you're gonna put it before it even. But that's comes not out. something a bot can learn. I guess it can really only a learn bot your... could be better than you. Yeah. No but I mean, what. but if they're trying to mimic your play style, it's just like speed. I guess. So I guess it just learns how fast you drop blocks. I guess. Yeah. In like part, how fast you get a Tetris and those. Right. And how often. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Keep track of that. Yeah. Like, you're like a computer difficulty seven, and then they'll just do whatever. Sure, that's you know realistically, I guarantee this is a cash in. So that's probably it's going to be like a scale of difficulty, and it's just going to figure out where you land. I guess. Yeah, I, I have to say though, I don't know when did Ubisoft get the Tetris license. I swear, Tetris like Tetris makes gets around. Like it was with Nintendo for a while, then it was with EA for a while, now it's with Ubisoft for a while. It's strange. I will say though, you brought Tetris DS. There is no way any Tetris game is ever going to top Tetris DS. That game spoiled me in terms of Tetris. Between, like, the 8-bit Nintendo references and, like, they actually had clever different modes that used Tetris blocks and all triminos in all sorts of different interesting ways. Like, there is no way any game's going to top that. I mean, in the time since, we've got, what, Tetris Axis on 3DS, which was Tetris and it had AR, which is kind of interesting. But, you know, it wasn't Tetris DS good. We've had multiple mobile games from EA on, like, iPhone and Android, which are doing different things, but not quite the same caliber. They're still pretty good. Now we have this, which I'm sure, you know, the new thing is asynchronous and AI and whatnot, which I'm sure will be okay, but it's still not Tetris DS, I bet. Nothing ever will top Tetris DS. Saying that now. I agree. money on that. But, uh, yeah, it's Tetris DS is amazing. That's probably my most played Tetris. Because I I own a couple different Tetrises. Yeah, funny because it was Mario theme, like... Well, it was, it was I mean, Nintendo theme, not just Mario. Oh, yeah, Nintendo theme. Because, I mean, like, yeah, Tetris is fun, but I, I don't know. I, I get bored pretty fast. But see, that's the thing. It's like the standard but, Tetris mode was still the standard Tetris mode, even with the I know, well, that, yeah. it was, They had, like, eight other modes that took Nintendo franchises and did the... Like, the Zelda one, you had to, like... I don't remember. It was, was, it was it Zelda a, or Metroid? Where Zelda, like, Zelda was, like, a mission mode where it would tell like, oh, make a line right here or mm-hmm. make this piece, get a Tetris with this piece or blah, blah, blah. 
Yeah, Metroid was like it was just um you rotate the whole you rotate a cube right, and then you had to like create squares so that you could like shrink it. It was like a reactor. Right, right. So like they had, I mean, granted, the theming the theming was kind of loose. No, yeah, but, yeah, but it was still right. cool. Unlike you know, like oh, power up battle mode and sprint mode. Okay. No, it's not just like the same idea, just with power ups and going fast. No, but that's what I'm saying. Like even and just the standard Tetris mode. Like I remember playing the standard Tetris mode for such a long oh, time in, in the Mario, just because it was Mario, and just because I could see like, like oh okay, I know my progress because I'm on Throne World One of yeah. the you know, of yeah, Mario Brothers One, and then like way. oh now I'm in Mario Brothers Three World. Okay, now I'm looping like three, three or four times because I've been playing this like that long. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I'm the same way, and also it's the first Tetris online, I believe. So there's that. Yeah. Uh, but beyond beyond Ubisoft's announcement, there's also an indie announcement that was kind of interesting. It's a Wii U eShop tile called Get Close. And I, I want, you know, one of the things about the, the gamepad so far I've noticed is that it's kind of unexpected, but some of the most interesting types of gamepad experiences are weird ones where they make multiple people share a controller. Like in Wii Party U, is, you know, they had foosball and the little, like... The game ba- top table games? Yeah, the tabletop games. Like, the tabletop, yeah. The game top. <laughs> the tabletop games with, like, baseball and foosball. Like, those are... Oh, more fireworks. I doubt they're even being picked up by the mic, but, uh, but like, yeah, in We Party You, they had the tabletop games, and like, they had, this one's a little different scenario, but like, uh, Spin the Bottle Bumpy's Party, granted it wasn't the gamepad so much, but everyone had to like share, we like hold on to a Wii Remote and do these weird things where the Wii Remote I mean, the was like the in connection entirety point. was just weird. Right, but like, the, my, my point is like, the game's core concept was, your connecting point weird. is the Wii Remote, is a controller, and now we have Get Close, which is a little more like We Party You in a sense that you're sharing a gamepad and competing against one another, but still has the idea of, like, oh, yeah, you're, like, you know, you're you're doing things on one controller. That's the thing that's kind of bringing you together or bringing you, getting you close, in this case, get close. So what it actually is, is, at the end of the day, it's really more of just a standard game. It's a, uh, it's kind of a 2D John War-style arcade shooter. You have two people, one is using each control stick to avoid different obstacles and shoot each other with 10 different power-ups. It's just kind of an arcade shooter. There's like a survival mode, a time trial mode, and some other stuff. And you just kind of shoot each other. But you're stuck on one gamepad. You're sitting side-by-side. The game isn't like the tabletop games where it's, uh, you know, you can sit across from each other. You need to be like shoulder-to-shoulder because it's facing... It's a horizontal screen, not like two... You know what I mean? Does that make sense? That makes no sense. Okay, when you're playing tabletop games, each of you got half the screen and you sat across from each other and looked at each other because they situated the screen so it's almost like a DS so there's two halves facing. Well, some of them were just one screen. But yeah, 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 for tabletop they were two. But this one, it is just one screen. You have to literally sit side by side looking down at the same screen from the same angle. So you're like super like nudging into each other which presumably means that you're flicking the stick really fast to like shoot your enemy or whatever. You're going to bonk into each other in real life too. So... Who knows? It's kind of just a quirky... I mean, it's just a shooter at the end of the day, but I just like the that the Wii U's letting them do these weird things. Where you're, like, huddled around a controller, or you're sharing a controller, and you have to, like, do all this stuff. They can't do... You know, otherwise, it's like, whatever. You're just staying two feet apart. But this one's, like, you're on top of each other. Which, when you're, when you're competitive... What? Force people out of their comfort zone. Yeah, exactly. And when you're, like... And when it's a competitive game, like, you know, people are like, ah, oh, or whatever, and they're going to totally, like, elbow their buddy, or, like, punch them, or something like that. Wow. Not hard. What kind of not hard. Have? I have very violent friends. You guys should know because you are my. You are the ones I'm referring to. No, you're not. But um, <laughs> I get a withdraw punch. Yeah, you would totally jab me if I beat you. Like that's just neat. That's just if it was Mario Kart, you would like. Uh, uh, or sabotage. You would so literally cool. behead me if I beat you at Mario Kart. Um, yeah, you would. Yeah. <laughs> but so yeah, it just it's kind of. I mean, it's just some random little game, but I think it's kind of cool that Wii U can do that. 
And then an interesting thing is they're making it with Nintendo Web Framework. It's one of the first games, I believe, to actually roll out with that. There's a few. There's like a block drop and a few others. But yeah, so it's really just an HTML5 game. They have a cool website, too. looks very nice. But it's supposed to be out um, in mid-October. So we'll see if it is anything more than just a standard shooter. But the concept is neat. They have to like, be on top of each other. Uh, and speaking of indie, just real quick, just for people who may not be aware, uh, we're getting the indie rollout that we were promising, like end of March, beginning of April, where we're going to get all these indie games, and then none of them came out. Well, it's happening. It's finally happening. Shovel Knight just came out this past week. We're going to have impressions coming up in our next episode. Uh, Guacamelee Super Turbo Champion Edition is out July 2nd, and then a day later on July 3rd, we're going to have Armillo, or, yeah, Armillo's going to come out in the eShop, and we'll have impressions of that in the future as well. Then two weeks, at, or a week after that, we're going to have Infinity Runner on the 14th of July, which is, um, for, if you guys don't remember, it's the, it's that basically Mirror's Edge free runner. So it's, it looks like Mirror's Edge, you're like a space station running forward at all times, but it's a free runner in the sense of like Bit Trip Runner or, you know, Robot Unicorn or any of those sort of games. It's just forward instead of left to right. So, so those are all coming up in the next couple weeks, which I mean, better late than never, but here, here's the indie rollout that we Cube. That's coming out in the fall now. Ugh. Yeah, it also... Um, I, I, wow, I'm like really like... I might as well just get it on Steam. Just and similarly, with. Super Ubi Land, which was supposed to come out a long time ago, they hit some issues with the port. So now they're converting it to... Uh, what are they converting it to? Um, Could also be cheaper Unity. on Steam. Oh, how much Unity. is Cube on Steam? I don't know. Probably like if 7 it, bucks. If it's under 14 bucks, which I'm pretty sure... We're getting an answer, I think. Yeah, I'm looking it up. Yeah, I saw... I saw. So, so for those, those at home, I was just sitting directly across from me, and I literally saw in his eye his computer screen change from a white background to a black. I'm like, well, if it's a black background, it must be Steam. It's like C.U.B.E. Oh. It's Q.U.B.E. Q. Oh. Cube. Whoa. It's like... It's Cube. Combat with a but, K. Yeah, they're crazy like that, you know? Quake. Huh. It's not coming. Oh, there it is. How much? Four yeah, bucks. Is that director's cut? Yeah. Uh, wow. <laughs> five bucks. Well, four. Well, I think I think the eShop one's supposed to be under ten. I could say. Uh, wait yeah. wait yeah. till yeah. fall when Smash. Well, I guess we already no. have the no. Smash Brothers for 3DS. Oh, man. Well, I'll let you. While you ponder that, let's pivot. The well, I guess <laughs> I. Oh, I still run into the problem. Will my computer even be able to run it? Which is probably no at this age. Well, at plus, uh, the Wii U, you get the gamepad for something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it uses it for. I, 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 it's sad because I actually had played it, and I don't on Wii U at Indicator. Well, I, mean, I cannot so, for life me remember what it uses the gamepad. Well, I mean, for, I'm, I'm supporting them either way. Yeah, but you want to support them on Nintendo system. That silence means no. Okay, so com- so that's it for game-specific news in this episode, but there is also some non-game, like, big-picture Nintendo news as discussed. So going back to E3 a bit, there are some interviews that Miyamoto did that were of note. Because um, one of the fun things about E3, I think I kind of said this last episode, but one of the things I really like about E3 is that they have all these big-name Nintendo people stuck in a room, and journalists can pick their brain, and they can't get out of it. Like, there's no way for Miyamoto to go, I'm not, uh, nope, I'm not answering that. They need a guy give <laughs> some sort of answer, and when they do, it usually shines some light on stuff we don't know about, or teases things that will happen in a couple of years, or just it gives a sense of where Nintendo's looking for the future. For example, Miyamoto was asked about his thoughts on virtual reality, since that's the new hot, hot topic in the game industry, mm. with Oculus Rift and Project Morpheus on PlayStation, and Time basically said, hey, what's up with Nintendo and VR? What do you think? And he was saying, I mean, it's kind of an interesting point. 
Uh, Miyamoto is basically saying that if you're putting on some goggles and going off to the corner of the room by yourself, it kind of goes against Nintendo's philosophy about gaming, where it's like, oh, bringing the family together, everyone's playing together, even the Wii U, where it's like, yeah, you can play on your TV, but if someone's watching TV, you can play on the gamepad. Point is, you're still sitting next to them on the couch. There's still a communal space you're sharing if you're in VR. Turn it down. Yeah. I can't hear my game. Put on headphones. But even then, you're still having that conversation. With VR, you're like literally off in like a wherever, in your own world, literally. I guess I would rather have that conversation. I'm sure you would, yes. But So that's his argument. It's like you're still doing something as like a communal thing, even if it's not playing. I mean, even then, specific- jumping the gun. He was like, we didn't even know if VR is going to be successful. Well, that's what Mimo said, because they just asked what he thought of it. He's like, well, right now we're wearing goggles, maybe not. Now, he didn't specifically call out your arguing, and that's still bringing the family <laughs> together. He just said the idea of the Wii U being like a center of your living room, everyone comes around it, everyone's using the TV or the gamepad or whatever. No, yeah. um, well, I guess I'm talking bring... more of the like people asking, like, oh, what's up with Nintendo? Why aren't they going virtual reality? Well, that's what he's saying. It goes against Nintendo's... Oh, no, no, no. I'm just saying, oh. like, um, like, why aren't they going virtual reality? Like, assuming that virtual reality is already, like, big on the market, I guess. Yeah, well, that's another thing that even Reggie was saying to someone. Uh, he was basically saying, that, yeah, it's a wait and see. We think the technology is getting there, but it's not there yet. And mm-hmm. that is literally what you're saying, where it's like, <laughs> who knows what's yeah. going to happen. And the thing is, um, it, it, it's totally true. I mean, I've used Oculus Rift three times now and every single time it's like yeah I do it for five or ten minutes and it's like oh this is cool this is so cool I'm an elephant there, mm-hmm. I'm an elephant guys I have a big or- I have a big blue truck and I'm knocking over blocks and then I'm done playing I'm like yeah that was cool I'm gonna keep doing it that's cool or like uh, I was in New York and Sonos had this booth at the Wired Wired has like a pop-up store and they had a booth where you go in and you're walking through a virtual apartment and each room is playing different Sonos Sonosai Sonosis Sonys uh, and uh, with different music so you're in a sound booth and there's music coming from different directions and it's all Sonos technology in the Oculus Rift you're in this virtual house I'm like oh this is cool I'm like in a virtual house <laughs> 20 minutes later I do not still want to be in the virtual house I did it it's done like I don't know if virtual reality has a long term thing like if I come home and walk well, yeah, back like, demo, demo. Not games. no 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 but I just mean like if I come home and I want to like well, yeah I'm not going to want to play boring something. games either what? I'm not going to want to play boring games No, 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 no. <laughs> but I mean, if I come home and want to, like, kick back and, like, play something, am I going to want to sit down and go, oh, let me get my helmet on here. Let me put the goggles on. Okay, now I'm in this world where I actually have to, like, really be on my toes. More so than, like, like a real game, if it's intense, you can glance away for a split second. Well, it doesn't have the same intensity. Well, then, then, then it just kind of sounds like it would just be in a category on its own. I mean, I guess some, some people play video games just to play video games. Just, like, they don't want to recreate, like, a sport. They just want to play with the or something. I know, but what, what I'm getting at... I, I mean, was, I was building towards this. What I was getting at is like there, you know, there's that intensity, and of course there are people that want that intensity at all times. But is that mainstream? Oculus Rift is going to be huge, no doubt, among a very specific type of gamer, the hardest of the hardcore. And I will definitely want to play games on it because I'm, you know, I'm into that sort of thing. But is it going to breach into mainstream? Because this is the same mainstream that won't pick up 3D TVs because the glasses annoyed them. The little itty bitty plastic glasses. Are they really going to be putting these giant helmets on their faces? No. Like, that's my big concern with uh, and there's, Project Morpheus. There's the, 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 the thing that you walk on. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's certainly not good. Well, that's niche. That, 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 that would just be like, if that's some guy's like living right, right in the middle, the, the harness. Yeah, the circle treadmill. The yeah. gun. <laughs> See, like, there are people that that would fit for. There are people who are like... I mean, this, oh, yeah, there's definitely going to be people who are going to buy everything. Yeah, and there are people who go sure, like... They'll make, like, even, like, a little grenade attachment that you have to, like, throw, <laughs> but then, like, it kind of, like, zips back to your chest. Oh, that'd be great. But, uh... Oh, yeah, no, like, there are people who this is going to work for, but I think what Miyamoto's saying is on a general level, is it going to be that popular? One, it goes against Nintendo, and two, is it even going to be that popular? 
Like, they, it needs to be something that the mainstream will pick up. That's why I was kind of getting out. I was like, why well, I come home and I want to kick back and play a video game? Like, a lot of people, they're like, oh, yeah, I want to, like, just do a few rounds of Call of Duty or whatever. But I don't know if they want to be <laughs> in such a zone of Call of Duty that they can't look away for a second because there's literally nowhere to look because you're in a helmet. <laughs> I like, they call do, them like, and they turn around and they're just looking the wrong Yeah, way. like, what if they're, or, like, they have to, like, answer the phone. I'm just thinking of scenarios, like, <laughs> let's say they get a phone call. How do they find their phone? They have a thing, like, oh, he's running in place. <laughs> yeah. Or, I mean, if it's a like, game, you just pause it. Yeah. <laughs> if it's online, you can't. In real life. Exactly. It, you can't pause online and right, game but now. But if, if it's on your TV, you can just very easily reach for your phone, like glance down, reach for your phone. No, you you can't that. take off your helmet and start fiddling around mm-hmm. in the middle of an online match. You could totally glance away from the screen for a second. Like, it's a lot... I think, like I said, it's going to be huge with a certain subject. True, I have really answered phone calls while I'm playing Mario Kart online and with Jason. And you barely are able to do it as is, and that's just on a TV. Imagine on a helmet. <laughs> yeah, it's cost me a few resources. Yeah, I'm sure it has. Thanks, actually. Jason. You're welcome. But no, like, again... I think Virtual Reality is super cool. When I played it for those 15, 20 minutes, I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And I'm like, okay, I'm moving on with my day now. Like, I can't see a situation where I'm going to be like, I'm going to get involved in this for multiple hours and literally not be able to do anything else because I'm in a helmet. I, don't know, I, I think a smart I, helmet, like your landline, or I guess people don't have landlines, but like your, 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 you can answer your calls through your Now, helmet. you could argue that going forward with like FaceTime and Steam, or not, yeah, Steam has voice chat and like uh, Skype, which is what I was originally going to say. You could argue those would be integrated in, or like if Facebook does whatever they're doing in Oculus, where you have to have Facebook chat in your Oculus, sure, you never need to take the thing off. But there's still like, what if you need to like just a second to look away from a screen? You have to go, all right, hold on, wait, well, guys, let me, let me unstrap this. Okay, let me pop it. Well, off. I mean, I guess like we can't assume everyone's gonna be playing an online game. Like, I mean, no, it, even if it's not online, just the fact that no, it's like, I know. oh, well, my eyes are kind of hurting. Well, let that's me a, stop that's and a, that's if it's not off. online, I mean, just pause it. I could see myself wanting to play through all of Half Life Two again because it just seemed really cool. In, in, in a Oculus, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, like again, we're we're but we're like a subset. In a way, like, can you see the average Joe at Best Buy being like, "Yup, let me buy that five hundred dollars Oculus and totally not see anything around me?" Is it, it, is it marketed for the average it Joe? In. Well, the way it's being positioned with Project Morpheus, it is. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. I mean, again, it's super cool technology. We all like the idea. I think it's cool, but I just don't know, like, how many times are people, general people, and the only reason I was using me as an example is because, like, you guys are more gamer e than me. Like, I'm super into the industry, but you guys play games way more than I do. Um. So just kind of like it makes me wonder like if, if I'm hesitant and I like video games and I talk about them for two hours every two weeks not and you know and write articles about them and I'm hesitant I wonder how many people that care a little less about games are about it and me and most needs to kind of be going saying similar things so mm. I don't know that's kind of a total like sidetrack but it, it's my one concern with Project Morpheus because I want it to succeed I think it's cool you know to have like a you just hook into your PlayStation 4 and you're all set but like there's gonna be some hurdles. Like I said, people aren't comfortable with 3D glasses. End, Why are they going to be comfortable with the entire helmets? I guess in the end they're just going to be used for simulations. I mean, I'm pretty sure they're already being used for that. Now, if they could streamline it in some way so it's not a giant helmet, <laughs> maybe. But um, yeah, I think it's just ahead. Of, I think the techno- the concept's ahead of the technology a little. Hmm. But, I mean, we're at the point where technology can actually do what it needs to do, but I think just the bulkiness of it is weighing it down. No pun intended. But, but yeah, so that was what Miyamoto and then I had to say about virtual reality. Um, <laughs> but uh, bring it back a little to, like, the near future with the Wii U and what the future of the Wii U will be. Um, Miyamoto also addressed some questions about, like, uh, dual gamepad functionality. Do you remember before the Wii U came out back in 2012? Everyone was like, how does it not work with two gamepads? That, no. How is Nintendo going to do multiplayer if they only have one gamepad? No way. No one's going to buy it. No. Well, um, no, well, no one bought it. <laughs> yeah, well, no one bought it, so they were right. But, no, it, uh, it does work. Because no one really played Nintendo Land that much. No one played Zombie U. No one played games where you realize, oh, you don't actually need a gamepad. Of course, there are exceptions. 
Mario Kart, for example, the fact that only the gamepad has a map and none of the other players do is stupid. But dual gamepads that still half the players won't have the map. So, um, but either way, IGN brought up to Miyamoto what's going on. Where's the where's the the gamepad dual gamepad support? And he basically said that they don't feel it's realistic that A1's going to buy two gamepads right now. They have enough trouble convincing people to buy a Wii U with one gamepad. <laughs> he didn't say that verbatim. That was the gist of it. So the likelihood they're going to do two is kind of slim, at least in the short term. He said technically, technically, they can do it. The te- you know, they have the capabilities of doing it. Obviously, he didn't say this, but it's just me thinking. Obviously, it's going to knock down the overall graphic power of that game because you have to stream double the data now. But didn't they say, like, oh, yeah, and then when you connect your second gamepad... It, the frame per second goes down to I don't know what. yeah yeah so they're gonna have to worry about that but I assume there's I assume they were being a little light inter- or a little mm-hmm. easy on themselves in terms of just how bad it's gonna get cause yeah you know if it goes from 30 frames to 15 frames that's not really playable well, I mean, so they're gonna they're gonna have to knock down the graphics a tier or two in order to make it stream smoothly on both gamepads and I guess we're just gonna have to be happy with um, using multiple gamepads to do online cause I mean like Splatoon uses a gamepad so you're essentially playing with like eight people at the same time yeah. and everyone has a gamepad yeah but but then there are situations and yeah like Splatoon they're circumventing that for local with the pro controller versus the gamepad for the stealth mode we talked yeah. about earlier. But then Mimo also pointed out, which is another interesting one, do should they focus on games that rec- that need two gamepads? Should they focus on experiences that will take two gamepads, or should they just keep making experiences for one gamepad, which they already were struggling with a little? Like they're gonna have to like decide these things. So he thinks it's just easier since the majority of people only own a gamepad. Like it comes with this. It's the Kinect situation. When the Kinect first came out on Xbox, there weren't a lot of third-party games, or still aren't, because it wasn't mandatory. You don't have a guarantee that all 80 million Xbox owners have Kinects. You won't have a guarantee that all all five Wii U owners will have it. Maybe only two of the five do. Like, it's, you know, you don't have that guarantee, so if Nintendo has to force themselves to pick one or the other, they're, o- they're always going to go single gamepad experience if they can. They're, sorry, they're not going to make, like, a new, a brand new game. That requires you to buy a whole second controller, especially because they're expensive. In Japan, it's like $130 to replace a gamepad. Because so, it's a tablet, essentially. It's like a full-fledged tablet. So, yeah. So don't count on that. We may, however, start seeing more Wii U and 3DS connectivity. Um, it's funny because <laughs> IGN, in, a diff- in the same interview, asked him, um, where is it? Why don't we have it? And he's like, oh, um, I guess I didn't really fit into any of the tiles we're making. That's a direct quote. He's just like, oh yeah, we do, we do do that, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Well, but they haven't. They have thought about it. He said, just to give him a little more credit. Like, for example, and I mean, I'm sure you mean like more beyond that, like cross purchasing. Oh blah, blah, blah. well, no, they just mean strictly like games that connect all uh, GameCube, Game Boy Advance, DS, Wii, Wii, oh. that sort of thing. Crossplay is another thing he talked about indirectly with Kotaku. Miyamoto did, where essentially, I guess I'll go on this little side note. Essentially, they were like, hey, what about that unified console handheld that? been kind of hinted at and he's like well it's interesting for digital games it makes perfect sense because um we can write a different you know it can be downloaded to both but have different specs for each or whatever or if it's one device you know you can just soup it up or scale it back down so yeah. for crossplay that you know crossplay would factor into that presumably like they can do crossplay like they even asked um they even asked miyamoto i think it was miyamoto they asked uh kotaku did yeah, so what about crossplay? Like, you know, we just got Mario 3 on Wii U and 3DS Virtual Console, but we had to pay for them separately. And your response was something like, oh, right, sorry about that. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, it's they're aware. But in terms of Wii, uh, Wii U and 3DS, like, connectivity, like the old school type connectivity, not crossplay, um, it's something they did consider in some interesting ways. Apparently, one thing they were thinking of doing was Wii Fit U, where the 3DS, I guess, would be your pedometer. 
or an optional secondary pedometer, so you could just take your 3DS with you, come back, hook it back into the Wii U version, and there's all your stuff, kind of like the Fit Near did, but probably a little more flushed out. That obviously never took off, because we don't have it. The other thing that was kind of interesting that they considered is um, your Wii U would know when you get home based on its proximity to your 3DS. It detects your 3DS in the house again, it does something. Turn on, download something, send you a message on the gamepad, like those spam messages Nintendo now sends. <laughs> like anything, but they didn't. They haven't baked that in either, although presumably they could do that in the future. But I think that's kind of cool. It reminds me a lot of what Apple's doing with iOS and OS X now, with their continuity, where it, each device knows where the other device is at all times. And if you're near, if they're near each other, like your phone can redirect its calls and texts into your computer. Or like you can flick a, basically flick a program from your phone to your computer or vice versa. So if you're writing an email, it will literally pick up in mid-draft on the other device when you leave the house. So like maybe Nintendo could do that ultimately. Or like with cross, with cross buying, it'd be kind of cool if like it it detected that it's in the same house and when you purchase it on one, it automatically starts downloading on the other. Hmm. But like it would, it, in theory, in theory you could do that with any Wi-Fi connection. But it'd just be kind of cool if it's like, oh, we, you know, like downloading on your Wii U, and then under it it says, we see your 3DS is here, downloading on your 3DS too, or something like that. So that's also. Yeah, I don't want to know my 3DS. <laughs> Go away. So that's 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 the sort of stuff they Remember can do. We fit like Jose. You haven't left the house in three weeks. Oh man, that'd be so great. <laughs> I wish it did that. <laughs> but uh, Jose, we see your 3DS has not disconnected from your Wi-Fi in a month. Are you feeling okay? <laughs> Have you been outside? But uh, the. Of course, the loophole at that is, like, I don't take my 3DS everywhere, so it won't really work well for me. But they are working on games that use the connectivity, which is, uh, but we don't know what. All they did is, um, so the interview was with Miyamoto and another general manager at Nintendo named Shinya Takashi or something like that. And he, all he said, when they said, they had a whole back and forth, like, oh, can we tease them about something? Should we give them a title? I don't know if we can. And then what they ended up saying as the takeaway is, we're thinking about that with Mario and Donkey Kong. Now, who knows if they mean Mario and Donkey Kong, like the game, Mario vs. Donkey Kong, or if they mean like a Mario game and a Donkey Kong game, <laughs> or if they mean a new game starring Mario and Donkey Kong side by side, or a game... Mario and Donkey Kong, T.I. Yeah. <laughs> I would buy that, a Mario detective game. <laughs> or a... Um, he drives some bananas. You should just work for their marketing. Just go. Just leave the podcast, go work for Nintendo. You, yeah. <laughs> but, no, I was going to say, or it could be some sort of other game where it's like, I don't know, Mario's on one screen and Donkey Kong's on the other? I, I have no idea. But whatever it is, they're cooking up something and connectivity's coming back. Hmm. I feel like they keep trying to make connectivity a thing and it never happens, but maybe this time it will. Who knows? Who knows? At least they're not giving up. Yeah, that's true. I mean, of course, one, one thing worth knowing about um, these E3 interviews, it's not only developers that they talk to, it's also Nintendo's VPs of this and VPs of that. Reggie, obviously, has done a bunch of interviews. We covered that last episode in 73. But... Episode 73, not the year 1973, I should clarify. But, mm-hmm. um, but also, there's some other people saying stuff. For example, the, really the only example, um, Scott Moffat, who's Nintendo's current uh, VP of Sales and Marketing, the former, the role Reggie had before he became president of Nintendo America. Uh, he was, Pizza Hut? What? When he was marketing for Pizza Hut? No, 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 when he was at Nintendo, he started as VP of Sales. The glory of the Bigfoot pizza that Reggie made was before he even got to Nintendo. He's, uh, didn't he, he make the stuffed crust or something? No, he did Bigfoot, Bigfoot oh, pizza, okay. which was a big pizza, roughly in the shape of a foot. No, it was not in the shape of a foot. No one would eat that. Like, oh, give me the, give me the pinky toe. I want that slice. This is going down a weird path. Back to Scott Moffat. Um, so he was talking to Games Industry International about the Wii U and its current sales situation because, of course, every VP that wasn't directly tied to the games, all the, you know, whether it was him or uh, Char- Charles Shibeto, which is one of their other VPs, they were, everyone's like, oh, what about those Wii U sales? Is this, like, is this the turnaround point? And every single one of them, 
all said the same thing. We're at the tipping point. This is it. We're at the tipping point. It's about to get better. So he thinks, and as the Nintendo exec thinks, the one-two punch of Mario Kart and Super Smash Bros. is what's going to push them over. They already are starting to see it with Mario Kart. I mean, we talked what? an episode really? or two about... An episode or two back, we talked about how Mario Kart sold 1.2 million copies in three days worldwide. That That's pretty good. So, but they think that it's going to kind of mimic how the 3DS was. Because on 3DS, they launched Mario Kart and then Mario 3D Land. Pretty much back-to-back. Thing took off. Granted, there's a price drop in there, which they're conveniently not mentioning. But they're thinking they can, even without a price drop, they can replicate it. And I mean, he might be onto something. Because, and, and of course, once, I should probably say once the sales are up for the Wii U itself, that means third parties will come back, which is another point in town kept making. So, who knows? But he is onto something. Nintendo's onto something. Things are turning around, at least it looks that way. For example... Based on E3 buzz alone, you could say Nintendo's on, totally on the right track. There's this uh, social media like intelligence tracking service called Crimson Hexagon, and they decided to do some digging, and they found that of all the tweets about the big three at E3, you know, Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo dominated. 47% of all tweets about the three major players were Nintendo-related. So almost just talking about it. Presumably positive, but even if not, the name's out there more. But still, half of all tweets... At E3, about E3, were Nintendo-related. Damn. For comparison, uh, PlayStation had 28% of the tweets and Xbox had 25% of the tweets. So no one hit a third, obviously, yeah. from time to time. I mean, no it, it also third, makes but... sense because I mean, since they had their Treehouse Live thing, like they exactly. had like, constant coverage throughout the whole time, so people always have something to tweet about or watch. And right, stuff, so. but the fact that people were actually interested enough oh. to keep tweeting and watching shows they're doing yeah. something That's, right. Yeah, very true, too. But no, yeah, it was, it, there's no doubt it's because of the uh, Treehouse Live. Because like Microsoft Sony, they... Monday came around, Monday of E3, right, check out what we got, and then they just kind of retreated to the background for the next three days, while Nintendo, every single day, for eight hours a day, roughly, was just, like, going full force. So there's that, but you could say, sure, Buzz, Buzz is great, but that doesn't equal actual results, but then, conveniently, right after E3, literally, like, the next day, NPD numbers for May came out, and they do kind of perfectly back what, um... What the NPD what, for? What? What's NPD stand for? I don't even know, but they're tracking... Message per... National Product Distribution? That's Maybe, NPD? actually. Yeah, it's oh. NPD. But they, uh, they they track... It's not just video games. They track... They do music. They do movie sales. They do, um, like, that would any make sense sort of... Then. Yeah, they're just, like, the go-to for retail sales. Toys. Um, but, yeah, so the numbers came out, and they kind of back what Moffat and Shibeta and all these other Nintendo execs who all sound like a part of some sort of mafia. Uh, it doesn't like, like Moffat and Moffat and Shibeta. Yeah, it's they, more they, of a band than anything. Moffat and Shibeta. Yeah, the hit with their hit album Tipping Point. Yeah, uh, but so the numbers do kind of back it. Generally speaking, and generally speaking, May was an amazing month for the game industry. For the past six months, the game industry's been kind of on a downward slope. But in May, thanks to Mario Kart Eight and Watch Dogs and Amazing Spider Man and Wolfen's. Uh, Wolfenstein and a bunch of other major releases, sales were up a lot. Overall, the industry went up by 52%. Hardware sales were up 92%. Yikes. Software sales were up 58%. Jeez. This is the first time since the start of the year, at least, Whoa. that numbers have... At least only finished the sentence before you get the fake reaction. <laughs> uh, this is the first time, at least, I think since the start of the year, that numbers have been that high. I mean, if you just look at the new releases in May, like May 2014's new releases versus May 2013's new releases... The releases. Wait, in how May, did Mario Kart come for May? It was like May thirtieth. It two days of the reporting period. May, the the MPD doesn't count exactly May first to May thirtieth. They do a thirty day window roughly, and Mario Kart was in the last two days of the window, so the thirtieth uh-huh. and the first, I guess. But um, what I was gonna say is, if you look at just the like May twenty fourteen new releases and compare how they sold to May twenty thirteen's new releases, over eight hundred percent more sales for likes of Watch Dogs and Mario Kart than for 
I don't remember what came out last May. Nothing? That's probably why. <laughs> but, uh, so unsurprisingly, Watch Dogs was the month's number one seller. Uh, that's probably because, and that's with only a few days on the charts as well. That's probably because it was on, like, every single console except Wii U. Although it's coming, supposedly. And, uh, and, you know, it was pretty anticipated. So it's no surprise that sold as well as it did. What was surprising is Mario Kart 8, with only two days on the market on a system that isn't selling, managed to come in second place on the charts. It sold roughly half a million in the U.S. alone in its first two days. Nice. Out of that 1.3 million, 1.2 million worldwide in the first three days. So that, that's a pretty good start. It, um, it isn't the only Nintendo title that landed in the top ten either. Kirby Triple Deluxe managed to come in number, in the ninth place spot. Ninth spot. There we go. Uh, so that, that's kind of surprising. Kirby had no marketing. All the marketing was poured into Mario Golf, which didn't chart. So, <laughs> so, but hey, I guess Kirby's a really powerful brand. Um, there's no, actual official numbers for software released by Nintendo or MPD, but leaks, which are basically official because they're coming from the source, uh, <laughs> leaks of Kirby Triple Deluxe sales pin it at 138,000 since it came out on May 2nd. So in not even that full month, in like 28 days that month, it's managed to get in ninth place with 138,000, which is pretty good. And it's kind of following a similar sales path to what we've seen with other 3DS games of late. For example, Yoshi's New Island, in the time since it came out in mid-March, is now at 256,000 units, so, you know, it's been selling, selling at a pretty steady pace. Uh, and similarly, Bravely Default, since it came out in February, is at 258,000 units, which is interesting given that it's such a niche title that managed to, with just one more month, pretty much meet, actually exceed slightly, uh, Yoshi sales. And Yoshi's mm -hmm. a pretty mainstream character. Uh, interestingly, that same 258,000 total is what Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze for Wii U has sold since it came out. So on the one hand, Bravely Default selling that much is like, oh, that's awesome. But then you look at Donkey Kong selling that much, and you go, really? That's it? Because it's a major brand. Like, the original Donkey Kong Country was a million seller. The the uh, 3DS port of it, you know, Returns 3D, was a really high seller as well. So it's, it's weird that Tropical Freeze sold only, like, a quarter of a million since it came out in February. Damn. So even Wii U owners, even people who do have a Wii U aren't picking up the game as much as they should. It's a good game. It deserves better. It does. But... And, and like I said, it's not the only one that underperformed, because Mario, Mario Golf World Tour, not only did it not chart, there are no leaked numbers, and the, the, in the, the indication of the lack of leaked numbers, it's just, a, to be honest, it's a guy on NeoGAF who leaks it, and he's super good, like, he's super reliable, all his numbers are spot on. He usually only leaks numbers of things that are worth leaking. If Mario Golf didn't leak, it's probably because it didn't sell. Or, but it didn't sell bad enough that it's worth sharing how horrible it did. But it didn't sell well enough that's worth sharing how well it did. So it's some weird, under, probably under 100,000, just kind of coasting very low under the radar. It's not doing as well as it should at all. Nintendo put a lot of market. Yeah, it's a really good game. Nintendo put a lot of muscle behind it, at least in terms of online marketing. So it's kind of weird that, like, didn't bomb, but I don't think we're seeing any Mario Golf anytime soon, basically. Yeah. Which is a bummer. Well, um, it's okay. I mean, that's fine. I mean, it's, it's we don't need one per generation. Well, yeah, but we could get one on Wii U in a few years, in theory. But now we won't. I bet. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying I don't want to have to wait the the gap from Toadstool Tour in 2004 to World Tour in 2014. A, a little sooner than ten years would be nice, but the way fine. it's selling. And the know. fact that this one has online play, like, kind of increases its longevity compared That's to the other That's true. And I guess if they keep doing DLC, it'd be okay. They could keep yeah. pumping it out. But I think it's fine. Yeah, maybe. But back on the Wii U side of things. I mentioned Mario Kart did well that first weekend. Nintendo then said in a shareholder meeting just the other day that in uh, for the rest of in the month as a whole, it sold 2 million, 2 million copies. So, yeah, sales obviously slowed down a little over launch weekend. But fact of the matter is, 
last official number of Wii U's out there in the world is something like 6.5 million worldwide. So basically a third of all Wii U owners already bought Mario Kart. That's insane. <laughs> there is no game on any system that does quite that massive of... I take that back. There are some. But it's very rare for a game on any system to do quite that well. I mean, Halo probably does that well when it launches. But even first. Zelda doesn't do that well when it launches. It does not sell to a third Zelda. of the entire user base of a system. Just from what we've been like... Ever since we started doing the podcast and you've been saying like, the numbers for Zelda, it always sounds like Zelda doesn't do that great overall. Zelda does well in the U.S. Zelda does horribly in Japan. <laughs> so Zelda, does, Zelda does pretty well in the U.S. Um, Ocarina of Time was like a huge seller sold like a million in like just that holiday season or something but if i remember correctly but generally speaking zelda doesn't have the same cachet as say mario kart or wii sports or a spin-off of mario games is better than yeah no mario kart is like the best selling right behind i think we fit and or we play and we sports it's mario kart it sold like 32 million copies on the wii it's kind of a huge number to give you an idea, and there's always but, a lot of people online. So. Right, yeah, it's it's literally, and that's probably why Mario Kart 8's doing so well. It's a huge game. That's why a third of Wii U owners already own it in within the first month. So people bought Wii U's just to play Mario Kart. They did because sales of the Wii U went up by 85 percent in May, and keep it. That's for the whole month of May, but keep in mind only two of those days are actual Mario Kart days, and it still went up 85 percent in just those two days. A year ago, leak numbers pegged it at selling about 32,000 units, which means that this this May it went up to 60,000. Granted, that's still a bit on the low side, but Xbox One didn't hit 100,000 this month either. So, mm-hmm. and, and the thing is, Reggie was saying in an interview that um, there may be some surprises in the June NPD. He didn't say what. He just said, you may be surprised where Wii U ranks in the June NPD. Granted, that's based on early numbers that could taper off very quickly. They're probably extrapolating them. But still, it's possible. This, I mean, I this could be could the rebound. You could be surprised, good or bad. No, he meant good. He meant good. Because <laughs> uh-huh. they said, like, how's Mario Kart helping the Wii? And he's like, you'll be surprised when you see the NPD, because Wii U's never charting high on the NPD. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean, that's good. 3DS, meanwhile, is kind of just chugging along, you know. It sold over 100,000 again this month. Um, second best-selling system of the month behind PS4. Not much Damn. to say on that. Uh, but yeah, I think I think the Wii U stuff, this is probably that tipping point that Scott Moffat and Charles Shabetta and then the mafioso at Nintendo were, uh, were all talking about. Like, it's happening. It's going the right way. I mean, who knows if it'll keep up. It could be a flash in the pan, but it seems to be doing well so far. And it's not. that's not the only thing. Like, <laughs> the flash in the pan mean? It, it, like, a, like, it's an expression. You never heard it? No. Google it. Google it. Basically, it means a flash in the pan is like a super quick, like, like a, kind of like a one and done sort of thing. Like a flash in a pan? What are you cooking? Maybe it's a splash. Did I say flash? Maybe splash. Good flash. Uh, I'm telling you, it's an expression. Let's go to Urban Dictionary. See, it's on Urban Dictionary. That means it's someone says it. A project, person, etc. that enjoys only short-lived success. See? Thank you. Thank you. You call me out on my expressions, I show you how real they are. You didn't say that it wasn't real. I know, real. I, did, I, I just know, didn't know, know what know. it was. Oh, and, yeah, but then I said, but then I explained it, and you gave me this look. You, like you just idiot. have to win at something, huh? I do, because it's not my games I'm winning at. <laughs> I can tell you that. I lose to you guys all the time. But well, that was the finish. It's something which disappoints by failing right, cause it's to deliver anything of value, despite the showy beginning. Yeah, there you go. So that's why I'm worried could happen if Mario Kart is a huge success at first, but presumably it will go longer. And actually, that's not the only thing that Nintendo is banking big on. Apparently, Tomodachi Life, which we'll get to impressions of in just a moment, that's exceeding expectations. Um, they didn't say exact numbers because, you know, it, it hasn't been out a full month. They don't have n- numbers yet. But Reggie's saying at E3 in an interview that it's selling significantly better or stronger, I think is the word he used, than they anticipated. And I'm guessing they didn't anticipate astronomical sales. They knew it would probably be a tough sell. But even then, the fact that it's exceeding whatever they did expect is a good sign. 
I'm sure the me quality people are going to be very happy to know that a sequel probably will happen and will include some sort of same-sex relationship for them. Because mm. so. <laughs> Nintendo said we're going to do it if we, in a sequel, and here you go. Sounds like there might be a sequel. We'll see how the numbers actually pan out, but it's a good start. So, so they would have to wait for a sequel. What? No, you said Flash in the Pan again, because you said Pan it out. Could, well, yeah, but this would be the start of the Flash, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll know in July how it did in June, so we'll have those numbers when the time comes. In the meantime, one final bit of news, which I probably mentioned really briefly, before we get to the wonderful weirdness that is Tomodachi Life and Scram Kitty, is uh, the health of Satori Iwata. So we didn't mention this during our E3 episodes, but Iwata did not make the trip to L.A. due to health issues. And it was kind of like, well, you know, it happened, whatever. There's not really anything to dis- to discuss. But in the time after, he we also found out he skipped Nintendo's uh, shareholder meeting the other day because it turns out they discovered a growth in his bile duct, of all things, and they had to get that removed. They discovered it early. I think it's... He didn't say exactly much about it. Oh, he just said it's covered early and he had no... What? Oh, this is public? Yeah, it has to be cause for shareholders. Uh, it's just like how Steve Jobs' health had to be... No- was kept a secret for a while, but then when it was known, it was really known. Like, they made a press release. Like, I want to put out a statement. Right. But yeah, so basically, it, he had no symptoms, no signs of anything, but they caught it early. They removed it. Problem is, something like that, a growth, that's, you know, very one step away from cancer. Like, it could mm. be benign, it could be nothing, or it could be going down a bad path for Iwata. Hopefully it's nothing for his sake and for Nintendo's sake and everything. Mostly for his sake, honestly. But um, we'll see. He's already back at work answering emails, he says. He he just couldn't get the share army because he's like in bed recovering. Answering emails in bed recovering. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but the point is, the point is that meant that the shareholder meeting didn't have a ton of news. So I don't know. We I'm waiting for Nintendo's official transcript. We'll probably talk about it next episode, but don't expect much. All we know is Iwata's not going anywhere at Nintendo barring his health because he got reelected as their president. So people might have been unhappy with him. His approval rating did drop a year ago from like 90% to 70%, but they're still choosing him over bringing in someone new. So Nintendo, Iwata's Nintendo lives on. Mm-hmm. And as for Iwata himself, uh, get well soon, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I doubt Nintendo's going to hear this or he's going to hear this, but... <laughs> You know, from from us diehard Nintendo fans, get get well soon, Mr. Iwana. Uh, No, but seriously. (laughs) So with that, uh, we'll we'll have info on whatever happened at the shareholder meeting next episode. But in the meantime, we do have Tomodachi Life, which uh, we've been playing. I have the full game. You guys have Move Move In Edition. I think think we should just get Scram Kid out of the way, because there really isn't much to say about that game. It's, like, really short. Okay, yeah, we can do that first. I mean, might as well, like, end on the bigger game. Sure. So hold hold that thought. On Tomodachi, whoever's listening, and was know, like, we're eagerly we're like, yes, finally, you got to wait like <laughs> four minutes. You you toughed it out with us for almost two hours. You got to wait just a little longer, but it'll totally be worth it. It's gonna be such a great payoff. Trust me. So <laughs> that that might be a lie. Don't trust me. Damn. All right. So Scram Kitty and his buddy on rails, as not what Jason said, it does not involve a kitty on rails. It's it involves just... a mouse on it, right? It's a mouse. No, no it's it's a dude. What's his friend? It's a, a boy. It's a, it's a human. It's a person. It's a human. It's a human. I give up on talking about this game. I don't know. <laughs> Go ahead. All right, so I so this game, yeah, it, it is pretty weird. Basically, you control a person on rails, and it's a top-down shooter. You're shooting, um, you're shooting mice. You're shooting obstacles. You're getting the object of the game is to collect all the cats in the map. And sometimes there's two cats, three cats, or four cats. And there's always like one or two cats that you literally just like touch, and then they they get flung to like this exit. Which is where you go to end the to end the map or to clear the level, but the other kitties you like basically you're not required to get all the kitties in one run. You could either collect all there's like a hundred gems or a hundred little coins in every single level, and mm-hmm. when you get all ten, I mean all one hundred, you unlock a kitty that you grab that you then shoot them to the level. I mean to the exit, and then there's another kitty 
that you collect by randomly encountering this, like, I guess, like, warden of, like, the mice that just, like, appears and shoots at you and then disappears. And then once you kill him, you grab that kitty. And the last kitty, which is the most annoying kitty that I really hate, is, um, he's just floating there, like, looks like in a really, he looks like he's in a very accessible place. You touch him, and then all of a sudden, like, this, like, countdown starts, and then he flies to, like, some random location. Then you go chase after him, then you grab that kitty, and then, and then you grab him, but then he flies to another place, and you, have, you basically have to chase him, like, three or four times before you actually get him. And usually they give you just enough time to get to him. So if you mess up, like, you're gonna have to be doing it over and over again. Do they explain why you're collecting kitties? And why there's a mouse warden, which, by the way, that sentence was, I never, I never <laughs> thought I'd hear. And then the mouse warden appears, like, it's a totally normal thing, but... I mean, from what I can gather, like, it's one of those games where you're just, like, kind of thrown into the action, mm-hmm. but it's just like, oh, you're this, you have, like, this, this cat friend that wants you to rescue all his cat buddies from, like, mouse jail. Like, interstellar mouse jail. And, um... You say it like it's so normal. Well, it's a video You know, they're game. in interstellar mouse jail. <laughs> But, um, and basically, like, so that's pretty much the gist of the game. And, like, sure. progression is done by, um, you go, like, from level to level, they're, like, little grid. It's a little grid. And then, um, it tells you, like, okay, you need to have saved, like, 10 kitties to go to this level. You need to have saved 17 kitties to go to this level to get to the last level. Or at least the one that looks like the last level because it, it screams final level. Mm-hmm. You need 70 kitties. So, basically, you have to... You could, I guess, go through the bare minimum right. and see how many kids you can get, but you're probably going to have to backtrack and do some levels to get more kitties. But So the kitties are literally like the currency in the game. Yeah. You're using your cat friends as currency. Yep. All right. Yep. Or as stars or shines or whatever. And, and as far as difficulty, like, the game is pretty challenging, and it's not even because of, like, I guess, like, how many enemies they throw at you. It's more because of, like, the way you control. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I'm not saying, like, the controls aren't bad. It's just because of how you control it's like a combination of you're on this rail so you can't just like freely explore the level. You're stuck to pretty much like the outline of the level. So if you want to get to like the left side of the screen you just have to go with like the terrain. Like just the outline of the terrain. But you can jump and when you jump you could kind of skip some terrain to go to other pieces of terrain and stick and get stuck on those rails. But every single piece of like I guess real estate has its own gravity. So it, it kind of feels like Mario Galaxy in that same way where if you go too far the gravity of that other piece of terrain will attach you so then you float to there but then if you're like jumping on like this like small little circle and you're just floating around it over and over again if you're not attached to something for too long you're just gonna die sure yeah so that's pretty much that and the only other mechanic that's really important is um you get boosters which are pretty much your hit points and you can have up to six of them and every time, for every booster you have, that's the higher you can jump. And you jump by double tapping A mm-hmm. and holding A. And when you land, you turn into like a fireball and you jump really high. And yeah, the more boosters you have, the higher you go. And that plays a lot into how you traverse the terrain. Right. Thus, and I guess as far as like this gamepad or TV. Yeah. That, yeah they, they, pretty much, they pretty much mirror each other. So you could kind of watch one the whole time. But you... In the end, you're just going to watch the gamepad the whole time. Wasn't the gamepad zoomed out? Like, I remember I watched kind of. it. I mean, I played it like, at Indicated October, and the TV was almost like some sort of weird, like, news report version. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, the, the TV <laughs> is more like something, like, other people would watch, because it is kind of like a TV thing. Like, your cat person, your cat friend that just explains how the game works, he'll randomly pop up. Like, if you get hit, he'll be like, oh, yeah, trying to get hit by these guys. Oh, you're going to want to collect these things. So, in other words, you have to play on the gamepad, because there's a cat blocking your view on the TV. Yeah, not only that, but um, the aforementioned kitty that runs away from you. <laughs> the aforementioned kitty. Um, when you reach him, the TV, like, literally, like, pans to where the kitty's going to go next. Sure. And it's going to stay on him for, like, a little bit. But during that time, you can still control it. And the first time, I was just playing on the TV. 
And I'm like, wait, why can't I hear my guy moving, but I can't see him? Wait, they never tell you look at the gamepad instead of the TV? Because it, really... it seems like the gamepad's the actual gameplay. Yeah, so yeah, that's what I learned. Like, I learned that pretty much you're supposed to be looking at the gamepad the whole time. Right. But I guess you look at the TV from time to time to see, I guess, where the cat ran off to. Because, mm. yeah, the gamepad just stays gotcha. focused on you. Or sometimes, like, the TV will warn you of other things. It will try to teach you of other things. So you kind of look at both. Or sometimes, like, you're in an area... Where the TV will give you a really zoomed out view, so mm-hmm. you can see like more of what's ahead of you, but the gamepad will give you more of a like, I guess more zoomed in, so you could like really time that jump perfectly. Right. So I don't know. It's it's fun, and I'll definitely recommend because it it's hard, but like it just it's one of those games that takes some getting used to before you can yeah, really start like enjoying it. Like there was just I just have to mention this one part that was really annoying, <sighs> where that kitty going back to that kitty because like he's like the only reason why the like, last cat that cat that is always running away from you. There's one part where he, like, he gets to this peak where pretty much you're on the rail, but it looks like a, I guess it's like a peninsula, would you say that? And the cat, like, is, like, floating, like, right, like, in the center of it, and you're, like, on the timer, so you're, like, rushing to get to him, but if you don't jump right dead center, you're gonna jump to, like, the side, because, like, I don't know, it's like a planet, you're jumping at an angle so I couldn't reach him, and then... because right, gravity will move you to... Move yeah. Down. And then, like, and if you jump too high, like, you overshoot him, and then it flings you over there because of the gravity effect, and then you have to do it all over again. But once you get used to the controls, like, it's, it, it, I don't know, it feels good. Like, so it, just it's really tight. Yeah, it's, yeah, there's definitely a learning curve. Yeah, the game, I do like how quirky it is, like, the concept. Yeah, and the whole, it's, like, and the it, news report on the TV thing. Yeah, and it's really polished. Like, it really doesn't feel like, I mean, there's some eShops, like, on the eShop already, some games on the eShop that look like... They were kind of rushed. They just kind of slapped together and just like made. Yeah. Like this yeah. one looks like they actually took the time to make every single like the like, gnome game. Uh, <laughs> um, too uh, fast for gnomes. Too fast, too gnome. For, so I bad. know it's four, but too yeah. fast, too gnome. Tokyo Drift, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like yeah, this one like, you could tell like they really like tried really hard and and it shows. It's fun. Well, that's good it. that it's good once you get. It's good that it's good once you get used to the control. Yeah, and I mean that's like a lot of games in general. Like you just kind of have to get used to it, especially yeah. for like. Games that play, like, games within a genre, like, 2D side scrollers, like, oh, you can't expect everything to play, like, Mario, you're gonna have right. to adjust. Well, this seems even, like, less, this is, yeah, this is, this like is a, a more action game Yeah, this is its Mario. own, kind of, like, there really aren't many it's, games it's like, like it, which is kind of why, It's yeah. like a rail shooter, well, it is a rail shooter, but it's like a 2D Yeah, but, but, shooter, but not even, yeah. like, a rail shooter how you would expect, not, cause, yeah, because yeah, when you're, when you think on rails, you're going, like, down a direct path, this is, like, you're literally stuck on rails. It's like, it's a, it's like a top down old school like Galaga rail shooter except you're, except you're it's from to the, the side and you're on the rails and yeah so, yeah, it's, so, so it's cool like... it's like I don't know <laughs> you, you probably played nothing like this I, yeah, no, I, I definitely I, I can it, test so. it out because when I play it at IndieK I'm like what is <laughs> this like I liked it but I was like what is this that's cool like, so. we need more games like this and see and stuff like that that's that's cool that like and it, it has a place yeah. on the eShop like a lot of indie games on other things this would just get buried but because yeah. <laughs> because the Wii's missing a huge lineup this thing can float to the top and, yeah. and just like those other games that we've mentioned before like it has like it feels Nintendo Wii like oh yeah like, yeah it feels yeah. a bit like right at home and Nintendo Wii oh yeah like, like Shovel Knight or like yeah. Armillo and your Tokidori's and your Tori Tokitori yeah Tokitori Tokitori 2 and Switch Forces and whatnot. yeah yeah any way forward game really yep so you recommend just yep. brace for a learning curve. Yep. How much is it? It's like what, twelve? I want to say around ten bucks. That's not too bad. Yeah. I mean, how, it, does it seem lengthy? I know you haven't finished it, but uh, there's a good amount of playtime, and because how many it's difficult. Cats per stage are there roughly? There's like four. Okay, and you said it takes seventy to beat the final, get to yeah. the final stage. So there's a good estimate. Whatever seventy divided by four is, I don't want to do the math. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I can't be bothered. I can't be bothered. Uh, what is seventy times? 
divide by four. Is plus four is seventy two that's one. Eight plus four, five, six, seven. <coughs> this is really what our podcast has become. No, thirty times four is, is not seventy. No, I'm still doing the division in my oh, head. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so it's one looks like I mean, one was good just get out of calculator. It's, it's, it's around long. 17. I can't believe it. we literally don't have an answer. This it's is around 17. Ba- see, this is what's wrong with them. I believe you, but I can't believe it took oh us Oh my god, fine. 17.2. No, I believe you. I believe you. Jesus. 17.5. Whatever. Mm. So there's half Oh, you're right. The two, you have to drop the zero and then turn it into a I five. Just want to point out, I just want to point out that we embody everything wrong with America because it took us literally like three minutes to figure out 70 divided by four. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. To my defense, I didn't try up until the moment where I gave out the answer. Oh, I didn't try either. I just asked you. I immediately asked you guys, but that's part of the problem. If we want to succeed as a nation and stay a superpower, we all need to be comfortable doing long division at any moment's notice. We, we have our strengths and weaknesses in different locations. That's true. That's true. I mean, I'm the only one that really has to be on top of it. Because yeah, because you work teach it, it. Yeah. indirectly. But uh, so I guess that's Graham K. I guess we can now jump over to Tomodachi Life, the long promised Tomodachi Life impressions. So um, I'm the only one with. Are you people really waiting? For all those people that were holding their breath this whole time, he probably died already, so I'm really sorry. I'll send flowers. But for those who were smart enough to breathe while they waited, uh, here you go. It's uh, I'm the only one with the full game. We should say that up front. Jose, you've played the movement edition. All of a sudden, I think you've tried it too. Uh, maybe. But maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. But I'm the one that actually like, bought it and put time into it. So as such, I'm probably going to do the most talking on this one, but feel free to jump in. So I guess the first thing I want to say, and you really get out of the way, I mean, it's kind of what our episode seemed around, is the weirdness of it all, is that, yes, this game is wacky and weird, and I don't know if we need to touch on it too much right now, but but the real question is how does it actually play? Because the thing that Tao hyped up, the thing everyone hyped up was, gee, look how weird this is, guys, and we don't really talk about the gameplay. So um, what's it like to actually experience or live a Tamodachi life? I'm mm-hmm. sorry, that was very cheesy. Uh, <laughs> but So the more I spent with it, the more I've actually realized that it's less of a game in the traditional sense. In that, yeah, there are mini games you play with your me. There's actually a really fun, like, Super Nintendo style RPG spoof where you're fighting, like, inanimate objects. It's in this carnival you unlock eventually, but it's just like, like there's, like, a super scope, like, you know, the old super scope gun that you actually fight it, like, it's, like, an enemy creature. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, you fight, like, a shoe, you fight a necklace, you fight random stuff. Yeah, so there's cool little, like, game elements like that and other mini games. And yeah, there's also, you know, the ability to technically, like, level up your me by giving him things and doing things for him, and the higher levels they get, the more stuff they can do. But uh, in many ways, what you're doing is kind of just watching life unfold for these island inhabitants. I mean, you're helping them. You're steering their digital little lives in one direction or another, but you're still just kind of watching their lives in a way. So I think the most game-like aspects of Tanodachi are probably those day-to-day life things you do for your me. You know, you, uh, you, you can import a huge number of me's into the game. And the more you have, the more like game-like it kind of feels because you have more things to do with more me's. Like when you first start with just a few me's, you're meeting their demands, you're feeding them, you're buying them new clothes, you're, you know, picking out apartment decors, you're uh, doing stuff like that, you're giving them advice when they want to make new friends or want to get in a relationship, like they ask, like, oh, how should I, how should I approach Jose, how should I approach Elvis, that sort of thing, but, uh, so you steer them with that a little, but as you add more me, suddenly you have to juggle a lot more of those, it's, granted, it's not, like, hard, but suddenly you have to check in on 15 or 20 or 40 of them and you have to feed them and you have to know their likes and dislikes which luckily are displayed on the top screen that sort of thing so that gets a little more game like we're actually interacting and doing things more and on top of that since each me has a different personality it means you have to approach everyone differently so you have to kind of really learn what sort of thing will go well with them and that's actually something really cool is when you customize your me uh it asks you to it asks you this really brief personality quiz which is like whatever, but then somehow it's not so takes, much a quiz as it is just like a scale. Yeah, it's like, a scale. It's like quirky to serious, and like like six different things. But then it gets them spot on for every single one. When I when I made your guys' me's in the game, 
exactly spot on. When I made mine, spot on. When I made Reggie, spot on. When I made Samus, I did Samus. It seemed just like what Samus would be like if she was a person, like in terms of like determined and like adventurous. When I made uh, Leslie Nope of Parks and Rec, I deck all Leslie Nope's character. Mm-hmm. It's weird how good it is. The voice editor's fun, but it takes a little more work to get just right. But the the personality thing's spot on. I mean, no matter what, you're gonna get still like terrible sounding voices. But I guess that's just like, well, that's part, part of it. it. Yeah, which and is kind of weird to think that like, oh, that's just part of it. But well, they're not terrible. They're I mean, that, that, that doesn't. I mean, that, doesn't make it any better. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, that doesn't make it suck hold, any less. I don't hold it against it. It kind of fits with the whole quirkiness of the whole game. Like the voices, yeah, they could be a little more natural. But I don't know if I would want like a full-on human voice out of these things. They're a little digital version of yourself. They should have a tinge of digital sound to them. Maybe more like Siri and less like robots, but. Even then, serious down, still sound. Still, like, still sounds robotic. It's like some of like the the deeper sounding ones are like so like. Oh, they sound very throaty. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, I, I wasn't gonna say bad, but I was just like I guess like more so. I don't know. I guess digitized. I, I can barely understand them. Uh, yeah, that's true. Actually, yeah, that's true. Now I think about like, most of my movies have higher pitch. Yeah, yeah, like like the ones that are higher pitched or like I guess have like talk a little slower, like really easy to understand. But there are some that are just like, damn, they're just so high pitched or so on the extreme that they're like right. what. Yeah, that's true. Some of the deeper ones, like, they'll be like, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, what? Why are you riveting? Mm-hmm. What are you doing? <laughs> but uh, but I will say that, so, I uh, I will say that the doing all the stuff for the Miis and, like, having to feed them and whatnot, it seems like kind of just like, oh, it's like a Tamagotchi, or a Tamagotchi, or it's like a Pokemon Pikachu, or a Nintendog, or a Pokemon, Pokemon Mii. Mii. Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, those things are just like, oh, you're just going through the motions. But there are benefits to doing that, because the happier they are, the more they contribute to the island. Through either giving donations at the fountain or doing activity or giving you things like when you give them stuff, they give you stuff, which you then use to help other me's, which then helps better the community as a whole, so to speak. And it's really, I think it's really those contributions actually. That's kind of what makes um, Tawadachi like more than just a typical game. It almost turns into kind of a passive experience at times, because like as you add more me's, there are new activities around the island that unlock. Um, all of which, by the way, are accompanied by these charming little newsreel videos where they have one random me in a little suit in a little studio telling you the latest me news and. They have funny little, like, bits where it's, you know, things like, uh, we asked Jason why he was excited, and he said, you know, randomly, he loves tuna fish, which has no bearing on anything, I don't know. But, uh, so they're just kind of funny. But as you unlock these activities, um, it's it's stuff, the game kind of opens up, there's more to see and more to do. Because, you know, at first it's necessities. You have, like, a hat store. And, you know, you get that sort of thing. But then as you get a little more into it, like I said, there's a carnival at one point, there's a, uh, there's a cafe where you can listen to these gossip about each other and kind of learn their mm-hmm. relationships through that. There's uh, the concert hall where they sing and dance. There, there, you know, there's a lot of different stuff. And um, that's kind of where the game comes more passive because you just go and check on them and see what they do. And even in the apartments that happens because, like, you'll check on, you'll, you know, you'll go to someone's apartment and, like, I'll be over at Reggie's apartment and we'll be running around like airplanes. I don't know why. Or we'll be playing the Wii U, I got my knee, or something like that. Like, so just little things like that, and then the more Mii's you have, the more of these interactions you see, the more there is to actually see and do, because there's just more happening in your world, and it feels like a vibrant little kind of self-contained world. Um, and, and each of these Mii's, by the way, have their own preferences that you kind of need to learn, which keeps it from being totally passive. Like, they have favorite foods, they have least favorite foods, they have certain personality quirks, they get angry at each other, and you have to figure out how to like, dissolve the anger, usually by giving them their favorite food. But, much like in real life, you can't just turn anger off with a switch, so it works most of the time, but not every time. There's all sorts of little like things that keep you engaged, but it is definitely a bit more passive. So I guess, I guess the point is, <laughs> once the once the population's there, the life really kind of becomes the the life, the Tamodachi like world really becomes its own world. The island becomes its own world. So I mean, you still influence things, but it kind of also runs itself. I mean, you do get to pick how a me chooses to live. 
I said earlier that you get like answer dialogue questions about like relationships and stuff, and that's true. For example, you get to determine, you know, if they say Elvis and Jose want to be friends, I could say I would not recommend that, and you guys will not be friends. Mm-hmm. Like it won't like run its life completely. It asks you first, but then how the friendship blossoms kind of self-contained by the me's. And then there's other things like whenever they level up, you get to give them a gift, and the gifts are really where you get to do new. You don't. What? What if you don't give them a gift? You have to, I think. Uh, well, it's not like a gift like you have to go buy a gift. It's like a new ability. For example, uh, a catchphrase right. or a song. The ability like give to them sing a manual. Or right, or the ability to sing a song in one of like ten different genres. Which, by the way, the songs are ridiculous because you can customize the song lyrics completely in any genre and then have mm-hmm. them sing it into a song and dance routine that looks some, like something out of American Idol or something. And you can even stop it, American Idol style. Like, you know, you've seen those singing competitions, American Idol, mm-hmm. X Factor, or whatever, where it's like Simon Cowell or someone will just be like, I don't, you know, just like, or America's Got Talent where they hit the red X and then they're right. forced to stop in the middle. So you can do that. If you hit, I think, X on the controller, they freeze, their eyes go like super big and they look scared and then just kind of like, it just fades away. <laughs> like, you basically tell them you suck. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so you gotta teach them those things, you gotta give them new objects to use, you gotta give them catchphrases, not just like a general catchphrase, but for different emotions, so that when you see them interacting in the world, they'll be acting different, you know, they'll be saying things you told them to say. So all that's kinda, you know, in your control, as is, um, like I said, the friendships and relationships. You gotta pick who they get in a relationship with, because they will ask you, oh, I kind of like this person, what do you think? And you can say, no. Do not marry them. Do not have a child with them. Bad idea. If you're me in a relationship? Not at the moment, no. Much like me in real life. Uh, (laughs) But, but, um, yeah, but at that point... What happens if you abandon... What? What what happens if you don't check up on your me? Nothing. That's what's nice about versus Animal Crossing is the game, it uses a real-time clock for in-game stuff, like they're asleep at night and you can spy on their dreams. (laughs) Seriously. Uh, Or in the morning, there's a farmer's market at the fountain in the afternoon. There's other activities. But it doesn't criticize you or like passively nag you if you haven't played in a while they might say something like oh i haven't seen you in a while but it's not like animal crossing where like people leave or anything it picks up it's it's a play at your leisure because this game really is kind of just a pick up and play check in on the world sort of experience and and the thing is that's kind of interesting is whenever you do stuff for your means in the game you get money back and they spend that money to do more stuff or sometimes they give you gifts like they'll give you like cold medicine you're like what and then a me a day later will be like i'm sick and you give him the cold medicine and then he gives you something else so it's like this cyclical thing you get into that keeps it interactive. It makes it more than just kind of a passive blah of an experience. Mm. And, um, yeah, there's also, just to make sure, in case you really don't understand, like, what your Mies are doing or you want a better sense, like, you want, like, actual, like, gamification in the sense that you want to know what's happening, like, if you're progressing or not, there's this one thing you unlock that's basically a bunch of charts and graphs. It tells you stuff like, uh, you know, your compatibility between two Mies. You can do it between ones you want to get a relationship with, between friends. For example, me and Reggie... We're ob- obligatory friends, is what the game labeled us. Which makes me think, I guess Reggie, it's his corporate duty to be friends with me, but he really has no interest, so it's all just a marketing point, and he actually hates me. Uh, that's my hunch. But, you know, something like that, where, like, if you want to get, get in a relationship, have your me get in a relationship with, like, one person in particular, you could check compatibility and see, oh, you should maybe try and encourage him to hang out with them more. Or, like, whenever he asks you about it, you should really push him in that direction. So that's okay. <laughs> it also shows you which me's you spend the most money on, so you know your favorite, essentially. As well as which me's are, like, um... The most, like, I don't want to say the most popular, but the most, I guess the happiest. The happiest me's. Which is largely based on their friends and stuff. So, there's all that to track. And it really just helps make, like, kind of this, this fun and unique experience. But, uh, the one thing that, I guess the one way to sum it up is that, like, because it's kind of passive, but you're kind of, like, the thing I hope I got across is that it's a mix of, like, you're doing stuff and then you're not doing stuff. Like, you're steering them, but you're not, like, 
getting them there. You're just kind of pointing them in that direction. It's almost like cruise control. Like, it's like you're steering the car. You're telling the car where to go. But in terms of the acceleration, in terms of how fast it takes you to get there, in terms of how the car goes about getting there, in terms of, like, how an engine runs, that's up to the car, or that's up to the game in this case. You're basically playing a game on cruise control. You put it in the right direction, and you just let it run. Which is not necessarily a game in the traditional sense, but it's still yeah, a fun cruise experience. Control, it keeps the same velocity. Yeah. Right, that's what I'm saying. The only thing you do with cruise control, the only thing you do with cruise control is you tell the car, go left, go right. No, no, it, no it, keeps it, it keeps the same speed, doesn't it? Yeah, that's what I'm... But you're saying, like Tomodachi, you can't control the speed or... Yeah, no, right. no, no, you control how it goes, you don't control it getting there. I see what you're saying, I may have misspoke. You control how it gets to its destination, you just don't control the actual travel to the destination, if that makes sense. You steer it, you tell <laughs> it, I want to go this way or that way, and then you just let it run there. Like, you just, you know, like cruise control, you take your foot off the gas and it's still going. Mm-hmm. At the same velocity. Okay, so maybe I shouldn't have said the part that's <laughs> being overslow. Which now I think about it actually is kind of true because with Tondachi life, they the game doesn't like magically. It's not like magically you tell one me one time, oh, I want that relationship, and then one me does it the next day and the next takes a couple more nudges. It's kind of the same throughout. So the adjusted <laughs> analogy actually is more accurate in the long run. That, yeah, you tell it, I want you to do this, and then it does it, and you gotta watch how it does it, but it still does it. Gotcha. Yeah. But thank you for that correction. Because it actually made for a better analogy in the long run. But uh, I know I said I wasn't going to mention it too much, but I should probably talk about the humor a bit real quick. Um, the game, like I said, it's definitely weird. And none of this would be any fun if it wasn't fun to watch. Because it's kind of like a TV show in that way. So, um, like, you're tuning in to see what's going on. So, it kind of, it pretty much delivers. I mean, it's like wonder... I think the tag, the tag I used to describe at the end of the last episode was wonderfully weird, which it is. It's, like, totally weird. You know, you, um, you you have all those custom things you can add. It doesn't censor you in any way. Like, swear words, sure, but there's also, like, there's a quiz you can do with the Mies, and people are putting all sorts of weird questions. You've probably seen some on Twitter. Yeah, I think that's kind of, like, the problem I have with Tamadachi Life. Like, I already knew, like, it wasn't, like, really the game for me. But then I'm like, okay, maybe I'll give it a try with the demo that Jason gave me. Yeah. But then, like, even with the demo, like, I guess it just cemented the fact that, yeah, this game is, like, definitely not, like, a not a buy for me. Because, like, yeah. kind of what you were saying, like, it's kind of like a TV show, like, when we were watching the the direct, like, we saw, like, yeah, sure, they showed a lot of the weirdness, but then, um, I guess, like, when the game came out and people were, like, like, showing, like, like pictures of the weird, like, all the weird stuff that was going on or where you were showing me, like, like oh, look, my me's rolling on the ground, like, oh, right, my right, me's right. doing this, like, I, like, I already saw that, so it's like, oh, it's not gonna be funnier because, like, this other me's doing it, it's just kind of like, it's this exact same it's joke. It's like watching a rerun. Yeah, it's like the same joke is being told by a different person, like, it was funny the first time, but after that, it's just like, uh... Yeah, but see, the thing is, I avoided... The only thing I watched of Tomodachi Life before it came out was the Direct. And I haven't since watched anything. I've seen a few tweets, but I've already experienced it myself. So for me, it was all fresh. And it was more interesting that way. And granted, there and are times like, when the means do the same thing. Yeah, but do you feel like the, the Direct, I mean, like, has anything weirder than, like, the face being, like, shown off? Or, like, the giant Reggie coming out of the water? Or, like... Or, uh, or a couple of my memes had dreams in which they were snails. See, they, show, you, they showed that at the Direct. Oh, they did. Yeah, but you see it more a little. Or how about... Here's one. How about uh, when suddenly it was like cat day or something on the island and there are photorealistic, like actual photographs of cats pawing at little versions of all the me's from the island with weird hats. Like these jokes are not like things that you're going to be like, oh, that's funny. And then keep watching for five minutes. It's like a one off one second here, one second there. Like, what? Okay, <laughs> sure. And then you yeah. move on to the next thing. See, but then, but then it feels like I could get like the most out of the game from people that are being really creative with the me's and yeah. just like kind of watch like their little jokes and then just be like okay I mean, then you have to get the game that's the other thing I was going to say is that I'm the probably Valve not... release could, yeah. like the Valve concert was yeah. singing yeah because I mean like I'm never or, like Nintendo's developer E3 developer musical they did because I'm, you see that on YouTube? Uh, I'm never going to like be I'm never going to like 
spend the time to write like a musical or even have the time to actually write a coherent one. Right. But like I've already seen some really good ones like that one that I always mentioned like the Gabe Newell like Half-Life 3 review one. Like, I don't know. That's, yeah, Nintendo actually riffed on that. They did one with a couple of their developers, Mies, doing different styles of music for like Yoshi's Woolly World and uh, what else? Splatoon and a few others and it was pretty funny. It was basically yeah. the Gabe one. <laughs> but, um, like I think I could definitely get more out of the game just from watching. Yeah, well that, that's the one complaint I was going to say is that while it's all really funny and weird and I really, you know, it's like you never know what to expect if you haven't seen it already. Uh, you do run into a bit of an issue if you're not super creative. Like, I'm not going to write lyrics either, so I'm having more fun watching other people's videos on YouTube than, like, making my own. Like, the music feature, I'm like, oh, that's cool, I can make a song. I have yet to make a song. <laughs> like, I just, I like, for me, it's like tuning in for, like, ten, tuning in, see what I'm calling it, like a TV <laughs> show. It's like playing for ten minutes, seeing, checking on the Miis, making sure they're happy, and then seeing what weird things they're up to for a few minutes, and then I move on to the next game, or the next thing. This is like a side... It almost feels like a side game. This isn't a game you're going to go play and sink hours into. It's a thing you're going to check in for 10 or 15 minutes. Kind of like, like the length of an adult swim short and just be like, what <laughs> wackiness is, happy, is happening? Oh, ha, huh, that's funny. Let me give my knees some stuff to keep them happy so they do more wacky things next time. It's almost like you're... It's like a, you get stuck in a loop, basically. Not a bad loop. You're just in a cycle where it's like you do something for me, your me gives you something, you give something to... You give that to some other me, and then as that's all happening, you see some of, another group of me's doing some random thing. And you're like, oh, that's funny. And then you close the game and go on with your life. And then come back. <laughs> but, yeah, because, like, even when I first bought it, I played it. Like, I had it here when we were recording our last episode, I think. And, um, like, I just bought it that day. And it was a lot of, like, I was checking, like, five minutes here, five minutes there. Like, we were waiting for something to load. And I'm like, oh, let me just look. Let's see what's going on in Tondachi Life. Or, like, I literally am playing in, like, really short bursts. Yeah, you're the only thing that I never thought coming was um that thing that your the me and your game tend to do yeah they um <laughs> they we we need to keep this they somewhat salt. we need to, what they, they, they taste salt by shaking into their mouths yeah yeah they're, they're shaking salt containers into their mouths yeah that's a nice way of putting it they're uh <laughs> they're using a um oh what's that thing called a shake weight yeah they're using sh- invisible shake weights towards their mouths and I don't know why and it's really weird and I'm gonna I'm gonna um, I'm gonna think this game I'm gonna tell Nintendo they should re-rate this to M because of it but uh, what are yeah. they just doing like one of those yawns like oh was, that actually is probably what they're really doing like sort of like since their other hands are circles yeah I, I, I guarantee they are doing now that you mention it they probably are doing one of those keep patting their mouth yawn sort of thing yeah but, but it, it certainly doesn't look like it it's so fast uh, yeah. yeah no no don't look like that it doesn't look like it at all but see random things like that like that's why I keep playing for those random little things that like you don't see that ever in the videos and granted I, I get what you're saying completely so it's kind of like oh, no, but it's that's just the, like that's the thing that I give if I want to look for them like I could find right stuff, but, but you just don't think it's worth the trade off of all the other time invested yeah that's fair it's, yeah well I that, think, yeah, that's what I said like I know for a fact like this game like isn't like the type of game I would enjoy like I would want more control which is why like I think I feel like Animal Crossing is like the perfect amount of like control versus just letting things kind of like but, but at the same out. token I don't think now that I've played this so much I don't I think comparing it to Animal Crossing, which everyone's doing, it's not you, it's everyone, is kind of a disservice to both games. Because they're actually, yeah, there's a few overlaps, but they're very different. Like, this is definitely more of a, if anything, it's more of The Sims. And even then, it's like, it's like The Sims combined with, like, a TV show that happens to star little digital me's. <laughs> like, I, I, yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying about Animal Crossing. I'm not saying you're wrong, but I, I'm just saying that, like, they're different enough that that they can coexist. And even Nintendo's comparing them. You know, they gave me the move-in edition before it came out because I bought Animal Crossing. So even they're like, oh, if you like one, you like the other, which is probably true. But when you look at them side by side as games, like not in the space of like the industry as whole, just game A versus game B, they're actually very different. Well, I know. Well, I'm just talking about like how much control you have like over the game itself. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
No, I, well, again, yeah. it's not a game. No, no, yeah. Comparison. I'm not saying they're the Everyone's same game. I'm just saying, like, I just want, I'm talking about, like, actual gameplay versus, right, like, right. just it's watching. because when I first got it... Because you're never really just watching an Animal Crossing either. Yeah. You're always, yeah. like, just kind of running around doing something. Yeah, and it's like, because when I first played it, I thought it almost felt more game-like than Animal Crossing. Almost, because I, I think in my initial impressions on the show, before it came out, I was like, yeah, it kind of reminds me of, like, Nintendo, and that you're constantly checking, doing stuff for your me and with your me. It's almost like a more gamified version. But no, now that I've played it more, it's actually kind of the opposite. <laughs> but I think really there's just nothing like it on could you think? Could you think of it as like my me pet? Yeah, it's like a mix of like, it's basically a tom- Tomodachi is a Tamagotchi for the 3DS. Yeah. I like some of the analogy that it's kind of like an anthill. No, no, like, like, a, like an ant habitat. Oh, like uh, when people have ant an farm. ant farm. Yeah, an ant farm. Yes, actually that's a really good analogy. It's, it's like an ant farm because you can watch and you can manipulate yeah, it. Yeah, you, you can give them the background and stuff yeah. and you think, oh, all right, let's see they how they take yeah. Which is kind of what I was getting at. See what happens when I ask them all? You, you set it down a certain path. You know, you set it up in a certain way for certain things to happen, and you just let it run its course. That's probably a better way to say the <laughs> control analogy. Uh, but yeah, so I think um, it's definitely, I mean, if it wasn't clear based on our discussion, it's definitely not for everyone. But those, it's just like a TV show in the sense that some people prefer some shows over other shows. Um, but it's not like a universal thing like Mario where everyone People goes. do have different tastes. Yeah, but I mean, even more so than like game, like, you know, game, I like shooters versus... RPGs even more so. It's like if you like Animal Crossing, as you do, you're gonna. It's different enough that you're gonna wonder, will you like this? So I recommend for everyone yeah, listening. True. Yeah, because like, I said, like, like, oh, you liked Animal Crossing, you're probably like this. Right, and like, that's why that's really why I was saying it does yeah. a disservice to both games because like, yeah, they're okay. They're both about life, but you know what? So is Mario. His life just happens to be running left <laughs> to right all the time. Like, it's granted they're a little more similar. It's but they're way more similar than that. No, 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 no. <laughs> but I just mean the concept of, like, they're just trying to go, yeah, well, if you like living life in this game, you like this other one because you also customize stuff and you also, like, have a, ver- uh, like a digital version of yourself. But that's where it ends. Everything else is so different, I feel like. I mean, I guess there's a little of the same humor at times, but it's 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 pretty different. No, Tom Dachila definitely tries to go the, just try to be as weird as possible. It's just super Japanese humor, basically. It's definitely more of a, um, I want to see what people do with this game rather than yeah. what I'm going to do with this game. Yeah, yeah, it's, and that's, I think that almost, like, that's almost the downside of Nintendo putting in so much social stuff, because they put, like, image share, bake, like, in the game at any time you take a screenshot with X, and there's, like, an image share section of the island, you know, the image share service they have for Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, there's this icon in the, in the game, on the island, you press it and it, like, opens up the browser from the game directly. <laughs> Like, they're really pushing the sharing, but it's like, you only have so many variations of what happens. So yeah. for me, because I'm purposely not trying to view that, it's really enjoyable because I'm bumping into things. For, it's like, you know what it's like? It's like spoilers for a TV show. If you're going online and finding out things that happen before it happens, like how I found out from, was it all you guys? The ending of Breaking Bad, and I still haven't watched it yet, and I was all bummed out. Maybe it wasn't you guys. I think Twitter spoiled it for Twitter me. wasn't. Yeah. Uh, but that kind of lowered my interest. It in, was from us, we would have admitted to it already yeah no it was twitter i'm your yeah it was twitter but like in that case like i was super excited to finally start watching breaking bad and i saw the spoiler i'm like well okay i know it's the journey not the destination but to some extent like tomodachi life is the same problem because like you know all the funny stuff you know the the highs now you're just stuck with the lows which aren't (laughs) many but yeah so overall what i would recommend to anyone that wants the game is do what you two did get know someone that has the game and get the movement (laughs) edition download and see for yourself and even then it's not gonna yeah that probably would be the best way because then if you're gonna go online and look at like gameplay of it you're probably gonna end up yeah you're gonna that's why i purposely haven't watched it yeah so again it's one of those things that like it is kind Mm. of a personal taste but even if you like animal crossing it's different enough from animal crossing there's enough to it beyond what animal crossing does that it's still not a guarantee so try and get a demo however 
if it's your thing, it's excellent at being your thing, if that makes sense. It's niche, but it's an excellent, within its subgenre, it's excellent. So, so that's my takeaway. Um, I would say, though, yeah, it's, it's worth at least trying for the humor alone. If you go beyond that, that's your call. Yeah. Not the most glowing recommendation, simply because it's so specific to who likes it. But of those who like it, it's super good. <laughs> and with that... And if you don't like it, you really won't like it. If you don't like it, you'll be like, man. You can never be wrong with those sentences. I know. <laughs> you'll either like it or you won't. Well, no, no, no. I mean, if it's like your cup... Okay. No, no, no. Yeah, you can totally be... Hey, you can I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah, no. It's, it's just a niche game. That's it. Yeah, but yeah. Okay, we don't need... Yeah. Try, yeah, just try your own risk. I, I guess the better way of wording it is... We recommend if you, it if, if you, you like, like those type this, of games. No, if you, yeah, if you like this sort of thing, it's really good at it. Unlike, oh, you may like platformers, but there's good platformers and there's bad platformers. You can't say, I like yeah, platformers yeah. and they're all No, good point. But there really it's isn't like anything it. else like it, so it's kind of in its own category. Yeah, but it is really, <laughs> I, guess, I mean, I would encourage people to try it out, but you guys are a nice counterpoint to that, where it's like, you might, you know, you might have it spoiled, it might be too passive. So. Yeah. It's more of in a, other words, I recommend it, but I realize <laughs> there are caveats that other people might might hold them back. I mean, I'm not not recommending it either. I'm just saying. That. I know, I know. This is such the weirdest recommendation. <laughs> ever done. It's like I say yes, but then I don't say it. But I do say. It, I think the I best. Know. I think the best thing I could just say is going with zero expectations and going with zero yeah. expectations and zero knowledge, which means listening to this ruined the experience for you and you should not. Buy yeah, it. we already kind of gave away like three to four. <laughs> I know. Things. I know. If you haven't seen the. Direction. So we should just stop talking before I make it worse. So with that, that does it for this episode of Rantown Podcast. As always, thank you for listening. Uh, we appreciate <laughs> it. We will be back in two weeks' time on July 13th. With our next episode, which will feature impressions of Shovel Knight and uh, Transformers for Wii U. And because you, Jose, got Transformers for Wii U. And your opinion, keys of two weeks from now, your opinion might be different from what a lot of the general consensus seems to be. Which is a good thing in this case. Maybe. Maybe. We'll find out in two weeks. It might might be turning around. Oh, well. Well, now you Mm -hmm. you guys just got to wait and see. We also will hopefully have impressions of Romillo. That same episode, if not, will be the episode after. And then, of course, episode after that, definitely stay tuned because we'll be at Comic-Con. We'll have impressions of the games at Comic-Con. We'll have impressions of the show, uh, the, the expo. It, it's going to be good. So the easiest way to make sure you don't miss any of that, follow us on Twitter at Nintendo, bookmark Ramtown.com. Uh Also, we're going to have some stuff going up in, you know, beyond just the podcast. We have that extra about the Play Nintendo Tour that I promise is going up soon. I think I said that last episode. But for real this time, we went, we checked it out. Uh, and then we have some other surprises down the, down the line. So, yeah. Or maybe none. No, we'll, we'll have some. We'll have some. <laughs> we'll force it. We'll have something. <laughs> so yeah, definitely. Yeah, if we don't have surprises in mind, we will make surprises. Cause I already promised surprises. But yeah, uh, also be sure to follow us individually if you want to hear our thoughts on games and not games and see Jose's cool photos of a new Link uh, figurine he just got from Japan to go with his Samus. Uh, so I'm Jason... Wait, nope. I'm JSR7 on Twitter. Jose is Wero, W-I-R-O underscore O. Elvis is Drake Redcrest, spelled exactly how it sounds. And then on Meverse, <laughs> not D R A C K. If you think that for some reason, D R A C K. That'd be Drac. <laughs> well, E at the end. Oh, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, no, it's Drake. It's Drake like uh, Uncharted and Red Crest like a crest which is red. Or if you play Chibi Robo, it's just that guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, conveniently for you guys on on Meverse, they have the same names. Elvis is Drake, Red Crest. Jose is Wero. I, however, have to be different, and I'm Jason R. Blame Nintendo. They won't let me have the full name. Or the short name of JSR7. So with that, we'll see you guys in two weeks. Thanks for listening. And, um, yeah, go get Weird Retunnel Dachshund Life. It's worth it. Or don't.